I order is uh, sweet onion chicken teriyaki with a bunch of fucking veggies. We're talking spinach, black olives, green peppers, pickles. And then we get some sweet onion and honey mustard on that bad boy. See, that's that, uh, that sounds like a lot of flavor. It does. Here's the problem. It also sounds like there's a lot of green. Uh, yeah. There, there seems to be a lot of, a lot of veggies, which and I'm not technically against, I guess, in principle. Uh-huh. My go-to Subway order, all right, and you could you can give me the award for best Subway order anytime uh-huh. after this. I'll accept mm-hmm. an, I'll I'll accept it in cash. I'll accept a trophy. It's the Subway Club, right? Classic. So I believe it's yeah. roast beef, uh ham and turkey. It's quite delicious. It's not Except, a club at all. Am I am I wrong about what goes on this sandwich? Hold on. The I don't know Subway, about the the sandwich, but the Subway Club is turkey breast, roast beef, and succulent ham. I don't that know. Is Maybe not that's a why club at all. Maybe that's why it's the Subway Club. It's its own version. <laughs> I guess because yeah, a club is usually some kind of poultry. Oh, ham or fried bacon. Okay, my bad. I've only ever seen a club with bacon. Maybe so. that's why. Like I, I went to Subway a couple weeks ago, and and this is what kind of spawned this other than the uh the twitter post that northern lion posted from the subway subreddit where the dude basically got double every single veggie and then said he would go home and add even more veggies it's like that's wild i went there i had a subway club that is a lot of green i went i got the subway club i usually get it on flat oh you didn't even say what what's your bread of choice uh the only bread that you can fucking choose uh that's worth anything the italian herbs and cheese mm, i disagree i do well, with toasted gotta okay, get toast. toasted i i've never Pepper Jack. not i've never not gotten a sub at subway toasted ever but here's the um, thing prior <laughs> to my subway club that i get usually now i used to get the meatball sub so you can't have a cold meatball sub I mean, you can, but what the hell? But you literally can, but you should be executed. And what I usually get now is I get the Subway Club. I I love the flatbread there ever since they introduced it. I've actually never had it in my life. It's pretty decent. I I enjoy it. Now, the the problem is at Subway, pretty much everything is is exactly the same, uh, no matter what, because it's not a good sandwich place. I just sometimes get a craving for it, and then I'm disappointed regularly every time I try it. I get it on, uh, you know, Subway Club on flatbread. I get double provolone. Get that bad boy toasted, right? Right. It's delicious. It's, It's great. Salt and pepper, Chipotle Southwest, and that's it. No veggies. No veggie. Nah. Don't need it. Uh, how, right. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I just why, don't why like, would... I mean, what veg, like they have lettuce. I'm not big on lettuce. I know it's just crunch, but it's never been, it's never been my shtick. I don't like tomato. Onions, I'm not a big fan of. I'm not oh, a fan shit. of peppers. I also put onions on mine. Oh, totally forgot about the onion. But here, but and black olives. The, ugh, ugh. You like olives? I Ugh. fucking love olives, man. Olives are disgusting. Ugh. The problem is they don't have any of the veggies that I like at Subway. I can't roll up and be like, "Yo, can you put any broccoli on my sub?" That can you put it? Could you put any uh, cauliflower on my sub? Okay, you're just one. You like the weirdest veggies, 
Like, don't get me wrong. Broccoli and cauliflower is good. It's just usually if people are like, I don't really like veggies, except they don't usually say broccoli and cauliflower. I've always liked broccoli and cauliflower. I don't know why. I've never had I never had an issue with them when I was a kid. Like, I was never big a fan of carrots. I was never a huge fan of uh, I can't even think of any more vegetables. And (laughs) I was always like a green bean. Uh, a broccoli or a cauliflower guy, you know? Hey, hey, Subway, can you add green beans and broccoli to my sandwich? I'm going to I'm going to go into a Subway with like pre-cooked broccoli. It's like, y'all, can you put this on my sub? I would appreciate I would appreciate it. <laughs> They're going to say, <laughs> no, you can do it yourself. Sir, please leave. <laughs> we told or, you yeah, this last just... week. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just. I mean, spinach is delicious. Onions are okay, delicious. Yeah, like, you know what? I do like. I like baby spinach. Yeah, I've enjoyed. And they have spinach. that at Subway. They do. Maybe I'll have to actually have that on there. Yeah, here's I the hate, like. Um, I, hate I hate it from a can. Lettuce. Sp- spinach from a can is disgusting. You you got to get the raw spinach because it's crisp. If you cook it, you have control over that, and then you just saute mm-hmm. it for like a fucking minute, and you put it in a nice pasta. Mm. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, some other like stir fried dish and like it adds a little bit of flavor, but it's not really there. But you're still getting all that delicious vitamins and iron. Gotcha. What's your opinion on Brussels sprouts? I used to hate Brussels sprouts. Mm-hmm. And then because I love my mom to death. I really do. She's an amazing cook. Uh, She's the reason I got into cooking. But for the longest time. The way we grew up with vegetables was out of the can, boiled, you eat it like that with, you know, some toppings like salt and lemon pepper and butter, which is fine. But then she moved over to frozen stuff. She still boiled it, but then she also got into like sauteing it. So we would have like sauteed green beans with uh, balsamic vinegar and butter and then salt and that and black pepper and that's fantastic and you get the crunch and everything oh yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. but how she does like asparagus and brussels sprouts is she just does it in the pan and calls it a day and that was gross to me but then i roasted brussels sprouts in a sriracha honey vinaigrette like glaze, covered all of them, roasted them in there. Fantastic. Great. Nice and crispy. Really good flavor. Interesting. Perfect. I, I've never been a Brussels sprouts guy. I would be interested. Like, I've been trying a lot of new things recently. Um, I tried scallops for the first time, like, last month. Wasn't a, wasn't a huge fan, but uh, our boss said when I described them to her, she said it sounded like they were overcooked. I, we went to a hibachi. and um, Were they rubbery? They were a bit rubbery, yeah. Overcooked. They were better when I had them with something, but by themselves, they were like, eh, eh. Yeah, they're kind of supposed to be, like, somewhat sweet, like crab meat. Oh, um, yes. And, and, like, crab meat texture. I haven't had crab in a long time. Well, I guess I had a, um, I went to uh, a place called Drake's, I think, and I had a spider roll. It was the first time I ever had sushi. Uh-huh. It was, it was interesting. I don't know if I would get it all the time, but it was certainly interesting. Yeah, I mean, vegetables, one, best way to do vegetables, my opinion, 
roasting is like number one top. Second, second, (laughs) um, microwave's fine. Typically, when you microwave them, you're steaming them, and that's my third option. Okay, fair enough. But the the second way to do it is like saute pan fry. And I'm not like, you know, just drench the pan in oil. I'm just put a little bit of oil, heat it up, throw your veggies Mm -hmm. in. And then, yeah, steaming. The thing that like makes vegetables good is what you put on them. Yeah. But for instance, like you might not like carrots, but you probably would really like roasted carrots because it caramelizes all the sugars that are in the carrot. Mm -hmm. It makes it like really sweet with like kind of like crunchy exterior, but like more malleable on the inside. And it's great as like a little side dish. Mm-hmm. I I guess I should update by saying I didn't like carrots when I was younger. I can tolerate carrots now. Right. But I mean, how are you having your carrots? Are you just having them, you know, ranch on the side dip and go? No, I will. There are very few vegetables I will eat raw. Um, I like I even though I like broccoli and cauliflower, I'm not going to eat them raw. I love broccoli raw and cauliflower is there. I know, that, on I know that when you cook them, apparently it loses some of its nutrition, uh, apparently. I don't know if that's uh, true or not. No, it is. Uh, and that's just because, like, vitamins and uh, the chemicals are breaking down due to the heat. Mm. So they don't maintain their, like, same chemical. It's not, like, bad for you. It's just you lose some of that nutrition that you were getting. But it's not like, oh, man, all of a sudden this is basically the equivalent of eating a bowl of ice cream. Gotcha. You're just okay. not getting as much iron or keratin or whatever vegetable you're eating that has fuck tons of vitamins. Mm-hmm. Going back to Subway, though, Subway sucks. My favorite sandwich place is either uh, I really like Firehouse Subs, and then I also tried Jersey Mike's for the first time a while back. It was Jersey Mike's is fantastic. It's very good. You know what else is fantastic, Mitchell? Uh, is the Distorted, Distorted Entertainment, Entertainment Podcast. Yeah, How's it okay. going, everybody? My name is Ethan Carpenter. Welcome to the Distorted Entertainment Co- Podcast. I am also joined, of course, by Mitchell Wade. Uh, by the way, everybody, my favorite sandwich places, because apparently I don't fucking matter. I never is, said that. Uh, Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's. Capriotti's. I've never heard of that one. Uh, it's similar to Jersey Mike's, but they do like more East Coast Italian. Well, I guess Jersey Mike's is also East Coast. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a little bit different, but they have like Wagyu fucking sandwiches, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. Japanese Wagyu. Uh, and like their their Philly cheesesteak is fantastic, which is saying some because Jersey Mike's fantastic Philly. I like Penn Station pretty well. And uh, Witch Witch yeah. has always had my back. Never Witch had Witch Witch. Witch, Witch. A, oh, man, it's an experience because you like go in. Uh-huh. You don't talk to the cashier at all. You go over to okay. the side. Yeah. And they have a bunch of little cup holders with different bags in them. And you pick like the bags are numbered. Mm-hmm. And you look up and it tells you what what each number means. And each number is a type of sandwich. So mm-hmm. it's like number one is I'm just going to make it up. I don't know. It's like chicken. And you're like, cool. And you grab that bag if you want chicken. And then it's got all the different types of chicken sandwiches you can get chicken salad, chicken cordon bleu, whatever. You check that. You check if you want it hot or cold. You check everything you want on it. 
on the bag. Uh-huh. So it's like Subway, but you just get a check off what you want and everything. You can add extra, etc. You ha- uh, and then they have like cards for like cookies, chips, and drink. They do milkshakes there, and their or their cookies and cream milkshake is to fucking die for. One of the best ones I've had. A sandwich and place just, that does shakes. Yeah, there's a local place uh, near where I live called Potbellies that also does it. But they're there kind of like a, a yeah. There's a Potbellies uh, on the circle. Uh, Potbellies is totally worth it. Uh, the bear sandwiches are pretty good. Their soups are really good. Shakes, fantastic. Uh, salads are pretty decent, which I like a good salad myself. Uh, but so you just hand them all the bags and everything. You pick out your chips. Uh, if you got a fountain drink, you grab your drink uh, cup. Otherwise, they're going to make the shake there for you. Mm-hmm. And they make the sandwich and they put it in the bag. And there you go. It's a really nice system. Back at IUPUI, there was one on that strip, you know, where like stack pickle and and remember, everything yeah. was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, went I don't think there. it's there anymore. Though. All the damn no, it's not. I'm really upset because it. I, I supported that business. Damn it, I was the only thing keeping them up. Went there all the time. Fucking love that place. There was also a really interesting Japanese dessert place there that's no longer there. I don't remember that one. I, I, I've i gone to the burger place that's down there now. That replaced Stack Pickle? Yeah, it's it's good. It's very overpriced, but it's pretty good. Right. And then I was thinking about going to that I love mac and cheese place. But I, I have ordered from there. It is stupid expensive and not worth it. Yeah, I heard it was basically just noodles and co, but more. Which, like, well, more okay, but it's like higher quality noodles and co, but it's also pricier okay um but i really do recommend witch witch i might have to check it out have you have you ever been to the um yats yeah i've been the yats once i had the jerk chicken it's good if you like uh, not jamaican uh creole uh kind Mm. of food i think i had like the the red bean and sausage and i thought that was pretty good i saw that right before seeing the movie hereditary and uh oh the, the best part of that night was eating yats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, God, what what is the another name for Creole? It's uh, Southern. No, it's a very specific because it, it's New Orleans. Nolans. And I could be wrong in saying Creole. Oh, I spelled it wrong. Well, there's first. Welcome to the podcast. We like Cajun. Cajun. Yeah, there you go. Forgot all about that. It's good. I like yats. Yeah. Uh, the difference between Cajun and Creole. I'm just going to read the Google blurb. Oh, today, common understanding holds that Cajuns are white and Creoles are black or mixed race. God dang it. Uh, Creoles are from New Orleans while Cajuns populate. And then it it differs from there. But food is they're both from Louisiana. That's why they get confused. Uh, Um, uh, I'm more of a fan of Popeye's Louisiana uh, fast brother. I've still never had Popeyes. It's really good. I like it. Anyway, we we spent like the last 15 minutes talking about food. <laughs> it's almost like we're healthy and skinny and don't have heart conditions. Oh, yeah, definitely. I My, my chest never hurts at all. I never have to like hit my own chest to, to get the heart back in back into place. Uh, and, you know, I never just like all of a sudden feel like I'm dying just because I moved 15 feet and was told by several doctors <laughs> that my heart's in failure. 
I told him not to stay. I, I told him to not staple those three pieces of paper. I could have just done two. <laughs> I could have just done two. Uh, but yeah, welcome to the Soda Entertainment Podcast. I, uh, it's been forever since we've recorded. <laughs> it's been like Nonsense. a month. It's been like a month. <laughs> nonsense sorry about that guys no. we we just had some scheduling issues and life problems and eventually we'll we won't have those anymore so i don't have to start using it as an excuse much like uh, mitchell does with his heart condition and hey, um i i take offense to that and mm-hmm. you know what i do have heart condition <laughs> i also yeah. have severe sleep apnea Woo! Woo! I, uh, I, I have major depressive get, disorder. Same. I should probably get a sleep study at some point, but then again, I probably won't. I got a new cat. Oh, a new cat. Well, yes, it's say. it's it's not a new cat for me. So uh, a while back, I um I think it was still in my first apartment. My mom found a cat that was pregnant, or she found kittens, one or the other, and she was hand feeding them, and one of them nearly died. And I think she actually did, but mom got her to come back, and uh, so thus we named her Zombie. And uh, hey. when when she was a bit bigger, I decided to take her into my first apartment and uh, she she got along with Woody after a few days and they were very fine. And then I moved into my next apartment and I just couldn't afford having two cats. Um, it also didn't That's help. That's why you that lie was, about them. <laughs> um, well, it was also like food and stuff like that. I was very broke. Wow. Also, there was something evil in her bowels. It was just... It was just horrible, and neither of them would ever cover up their crap in the litter boxes. Now, luckily, Woody does. But I I took her back to my took her back to mom's, where she had to stay in one room with all the other cats because my stepdad doesn't like cats, and she's basically just been bullied by the other cats for years at this point. And um, yeah. Uh, luckily they, luckily they didn't really hurt each other. They just didn't like each other that much. So at my new place, I decided, you know what? I'm going to ask my landlords if they mind if I take a second cat. So that way, like, I can kind of lessen the burden on my mom a little bit. And, uh, you know, I'll take, I'll take, uh, zombie. And I took her here and she has been under the couch for two days. And hey. I, I feel bad for her. I, I looked under there today and she meowed at me. I'm hoping oh. she, I'm hoping that she, comes out soon hopefully before the weekend is up just because i don't want to risk being gone for you know nine hours or so um i don't think right. woody would hurt her or anything but i don't know about her because she's a bit more feisty than she was when she was a kitten right and uh it's the first time i've heard woody hiss in a long time so right yeah of, i mean Sabbath was that way with succotash and now they get along aside from the fact that uh Succotash is a kitten and Sabbath is a five year old. Uh, <laughs> and so Succotash was like, Oh, you're asleep. We should play. And Sabbath is not happy to have a kitten on top of him all of a sudden. <laughs> the biting his keeps face. bullying his father. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but like, I mean, they get along, they cuddle, they play together. Oh, I'm, I'm sure it'll work out after a while, but she. Uh, I found out since she's been younger, uh, she does not like being held. So trying to get her into the cat carrier was a pain. And then, yeah. you know, 
she she was hissing up a storm at me. She wasn't biting me or anything, but it, it's other than that, she's very lovable. Anytime I came over to the house, she liked being pet and she wouldn't leave me alone. But I hope uh, she calms down after a bit. But that's that's kind of what I've been up to recently. But besides like going into full stuff like we do at the end of the episodes, I actually, you know, right before you started, you know, setting up and everything. Uh, I was downstairs. Um, I'm making my way through another Metroid 2 remake. I'm actually at the very end. Uh, nice. And I had paused to just kind of like chill for a second because I realized I'm at the final boss. 100% of the game, by the way, mm. with very little help from like online, you know, maps and everything. I'm usually not good at the whole full exploration Metroidvania kind of style which is sad mm-hmm. since metroid is my favorite right but uh this time i really looked at it and i think there was only like three or four places that i just you you would have never have seen it unless you had just laid down a uh, power bomb in the room because you like were sus about mm-hmm. some but there was nothing indicating that there was an item near you or anything like that anyways not the point i think succotash was having some nightmares because while he was sleeping he started crying Oh, poor boy. I like went over and picked him up and he curled up in a ball in my arms and his tail is too long. So he like almost can wrap it around his entire face while he's balled up. It's the cutest fucking thing ever. What else uh, going on in my life since Ethan's life is not as important as mine? Hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I actually practiced my mandolin doing some Gojira covers. Nice. And, uh, I also looked up on YouTube somebody that actually uh, did Silvera cover and they did a bias FX. This is how you can make it. And Mm -hmm. so I got really close to that. And then I realized it sounded like crap because I didn't double the mandolin. And as soon as I doubled it, fantastic sounding. Did you double track or did you just copy it? I just copied. I was recording them simultaneously. Um, That does nothing. (laughs) <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> but uh, it sounded nice while I was just playing. I wasn't actually recording. Uh, yeah, I stopped. I, I haven't used bias effects much recently. I, I kind of moved on to the neural side of things. I still really want to get the Gojira archetype plugin. That'd be really yeah. cool. I'm but, really um, interested to see how the uh, pitch pedal works digitally in terms of like Obviously, you can get a MIDI pedal for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was uh, a buddy of mine was trying to figure out how to. I, I guess we're gonna do a cover of um, "Welcome Home Sanitarium," and he was okay. trying to automate uh, the bias effects wah pedal, and we just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do that shit um, and everything because it's like built into the software itself yeah it's very obtuse and uh, can't figure it out uh the only thing i think of is you would have to get a midi uh pedal yeah like uh, an expression pedal yeah and just do it that way but at that point you could also just get a wah pedal and di it <laughs> yeah that that probably would be the next best thing yeah so but i don't know how that's that's going otherwise but mitchell we have 
a lot of things to discuss today because it has been actually we don't have a lot <laughs> news has been kind of dead um since it's been so long since we recorded albums of the day are obviously devon townsend project deconstruction and mr bungle's disco volante and uh, also with ahead. with bonus mitch doing the right strap young lad album did you actually listen did you uh, get around to listening to city I did, and I don't have a lot to say, but I can say some things. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But uh, first of all, we're going to go into uh, news. I'm actually going to start with gaming news today because there's not that much. Just by chance, while Mitchell and I were setting up, I found an article about something that Intel is doing. It, it's called, it, it's, if you know what NVIDIA's DLSS is, Intel is doing their own version of it. But that's not really what I want to focus on because it's pretty deep into gaming and uh, some people may know what it is, some people don't. However, I, uh, and in the same article, I just noticed that apparently Intel is entering the GPU game. Graphics cards, if, if people aren't nerds. Early 2022, apparently. It doesn't seem like the best time to enter the graphics card game at the moment because uh, I mean, the market is dying. This almost, I mean, this, well, not really dying is just hard to get stuff. It's not like graphics cards. You'll never, you know, oh, people I mean, will just you know stop I mean. dying it's graphics rough. Yeah. But also, I mean, aside from that, this is like Epic Games entering PC gaming in terms of like trying to outdo Steam. Mm -hmm. The market has pretty much been set at this point that there are two large competing companies, competing companies, my bad, and trying to compete further with those. I I don't know. I mean, you do got the Intel fanboys, mm -hmm. so may, maybe they'll do fine. It's kind of like Valve releasing the Steam Deck. I think it has right. enough na name power that it might work. Obviously, it's two different markets, a, a graphics card versus a, a gaming system. But yeah, it, it's just interesting. Apparently, they are called... Oh, well, I closed out of the tab. Hold on. They Oops. are called uh, the Alchemist graphics cards. I do like the name. Yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to seeing how that goes, especially when it comes to how it competes with AMD and NVIDIA. Obviously, NVIDIA has been the leader of graphics cards for years. I know at one point AMD like surpassed them for like a generation, but then it, it solidly went back. I've heard the new AMD cards are great, but not at all compared to just the 30 series was a monster of a release for NVIDIA. And I, I'm interested to see how Intel tries to combat that. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I got on there. And then um, Saints Row is apparently being rebooted. Deep Silver are teasing it. It's apparently not a remake. It is not a remaster. It is just a brand new game reboot. I really hope that it kind of... It might be controversial to say I kind of prefer the more grounded Saints Row versus the like the Saints Row 2 versus Saints Row 4, where it's just insanity incarnate. Saints Row 3 was a nice medium, but I, I'm a Saints Row 2 boy. I, I just feel like people preferred the more off the top because if they wanted more grounded than they would just do GTA. Kind of, but Saints Row 2. So let's even go back further. Saints Row 1 was just a GTA clone. Saints Row 2 added more to it so that it felt unique. It was still 
it was still had a little bit of craziness to it. And then it just amped up more and more. People really do like Saints Row 3. That's why they re-released or they remastered Saints Row the Third. But then it went too far with Saints Row 4, if I'm remembering correctly. And then nobody liked Gad out of hell. It's just uh, a common complaint of Saints Row 4 was they just copied the map from Saints Row 3. It was the exact same, just with like alien architecture sprinkled about it the driving was basically obsolete you didn't need to once you unlocked the sprint and fly abilities i just i would prefer it to be a bit more like saints row 2 or saints row 3 than continuing to push it and i think the reason they're going for a reboot is because they went too crazy with it so i'm looking forward to see what it they say it's going to be announced or i guess they're going to talk about it at gamescom which there's a couple other things that I believe were headlines. Um, you said there was something about Halo, too, wasn't there? Yeah, I got a couple of things uh, to add if we want to talk about that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I don't know if you know, but two id software games stealthily got released, I think, yesterday. For people that don't know for some reason, id is the, like, gods of FPS games. Wolfenstein, Quake, Doom. And they released the Doom Slayer collection, which basically gives you all the Doom games besides Eternal. Oh. Like, literally all of them. I don't know about uh, DLCs or expansions, but it gives you even Doom 2016. Dang. Also, without telling anybody, they released the original Quake remastered 4K. Oh, and that I comes I... with all the expansions. All of them. Yeah, I think I saw that. I, I was surfing through the PlayStation Store today, and I think I saw something about Quake on there. Yep, not too long ago, because ray tracing was just getting out of hand. Uh, they also <laughs> released Quake RTX. I remember just seeing qu that. Or Quake 2. <laughs> Quake 2 RTX. I actually played the demo, and it, wow, it, it somehow looks... Both God rays. Super <laughs> just like super old, but also amazing. Because it's not like they did a full graphic overhaul. They were just like, it's just the lighting. Let's just the <laughs> let's just update the graphics a little bit, 4K, and then lights everywhere, just all of the lights, God and it looked really rays. good. And I think I don't think it's that much on Steam. If you wanted to play it, um, I want to just because Quake is a, a childhood I, game of mine. I don't think I've ever had an experience with Quake. Um, if I did, maybe it was Quake 4, but I uh, don't, I, I, I don't remember. Could be. The thing is about Quake is Quake is, Quake 1 is completely separate from Quake 2 and Quake 4 and the not well-known game Enemy Territory Quake Wars, uh, mm -hmm. which I love that game. Uh, there was also Enemy Territory Wolfenstein, but uh, I think that was less popular. And those were like Battlefield-esque almost uh, uh -huh. enemy territory quake wars had you playing as either the humans or the aliens uh and then you could like bring in vehicles and it was like capture these objectives or do these special things and there were five mm -hmm. classes per each anyways so quake 2 quake 4 and enemy territory quake wars deals with the strog which are like the borg from star trek but in my opinion more scary mm -hmm. and way more gross uh quake 3 is the like battle arena that was similar to Unreal Tournament. And then there was Quake Live, which was a reboot, and then Quake Champions, which was another reboot of Quake 3, uh, but trying to make it a hero game. That one died. 
Um, so, so, but Quake, original Quake uh, was somewhat gothic horror, a little bit of who made Cthulhu? What is that horror called? Uh, oh, Lovecraft. Yeah, Lovecraftian horror. Because one of uh, Lovecraft's monsters is the boss in that game. Interesting. And uh, it, it was just completely different, and people loved it. Uh, but what were you going to ask about Quake? So the original Quake wasn't a arena shooter. No, I mean the multiplayer was, but it did have a uh, single player. Okay, I, I never knew that. I thought Quake was just like Unreal Tournament and no. things of that nature. No, Quake and Quake Two both had stories that were very different from each other. The by the way, the uh, Quake symbol, that weird like Q looking thing. Yeah, that's like a crescent moon with like a dagger going through it that is actually a part of the story and all the games they are basically slip gates uh they just don't fully show them in the games i guess but that's what those are supposedly <laughs> but yeah no it, it's it's not an arena shooter in terms of like that's all it was but that was definitely what was popular about it uh, i mean i'm pretty sure that's where rocket jumping came from and forgot all about rocket jumping and uh telefrags and insta gibs or jibs if you want um but that uh, basically quake and unreal were constantly competing with each other for the arena shooter stuff gotcha Sorry, that's pretty I just cool message i i was trying to i'm thinking about selling my blue yeti pro so i had somebody ah, message me i just gotcha. don't, i just don't use it i have i have more professional equipment now yeah really <laughs> um also uh on top of that quake news we got some <laughs> bad halo news for some reason bad bungie halo keeps kind I of guess, go. <laughs> no no hey hey, hey no, i'm hey, kidding halo. i like halo i like halo well enough i guess it's not bungie anymore but anyways the people that make halo infinite microsoft there we go that's the company they're deciding um, to release three, four, it three industries is who's developing yeah they are releasing it without co-op and a whole bunch of other major features Boo. What the hell? Boo. <laughs> what are you doing? You, like, can't, you can't do that. <laughs> you can't. That's like 90% of the reason people played Halo besides the multiplayer is it was one of the first ones that you could do co-op. Yeah, exactly. Split screen, dude. Split screen. Can we bring back? Well, I guess there's the reason split screen died is because everything is more Internet based nowadays. Yeah, but I would love the option to like do that. I mean, yeah, fuck. Or just, like, give me more games that I can play on the couch with my friends or roommates. Exactly. Or significant like, other, whatever. There, there's kind of a hybrid for it now with, like, uh, Steam Play with Friends or something like that, yeah. where if, if one person owns it, you can still play with other people. That's kind of, like, a nice, you know, it's not split screen, but you can still play with your buddies, you know. Yeah. I still got um, my N64, dude. <laughs> I would love yeah, to same. just chill and play with my N64. Like, um, yeah, and the, the, like, just having more co-op games that, like, the both people don't need to own the damn game, or, mm. like, I, I would like to be able to sit on the couch playing co-op with my friend, or yeah. friends, and, you know, we can talk right there, we don't have to be in separate houses, or they bring all their equipment in a separate room or something, and, yeah. and I think really the the only things that you can really do that anymore is like sports games or maybe racing games, but like I mean, there's a bunch of indie games that still allow 
true. Couch indie. co-op. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know why I forgot about indie. That's like my shtick. That uh, is your shtick. <laughs> so. Like, yeah, Enter Halo, the Gungeon. Enter the... Ugh. I would love to play Enter the Gungeon with other people. I did it, like, twice. And it's so fun, but it's even more chaotic. It's so. horrid. Um, you don't like Enter the Gungeon? No, I meant horrid as in the chaos is horrid. Oh, yeah. It's a lot more to think about, especially because yeah. it doesn't split screen. You, it's It does the classic camera, like, bungee, you know, uh, what's it called? Tug of War. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. where it follows the main character mostly. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Halo not releasing with co-op. I, I'm sure it'll be added. I'm sure they'll do an update, but... That's like a Call of Duty releasing without multiplayer Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 remake. Yeah, exactly. It's something that should be in the game at launch. <laughs> I don't. Remember back in the day when there were cartridges and if they they had to do an update, they would just recall the game? <laughs> I did not know that. I never had that happen. Maybe not recall, but they there were games that had updates and they would re-release it. That's why uh, some cartridges are... It's like some speedrun glitches are cartridge-based or something hey. like that. If you have this version, you can do this or things like that no i see i didn't know that at all that's something new i don't think it was super common but i do i'm fairly certain it was a thing and then if if it was really extreme you could have like a sega genesis uh sonic and knuckles where it was an expansion cart that you had to right. plug into the other cart <laughs> sega you remember was when, weird man <laughs> you remember when paid dlc was just called it an expansion and it was basically another game yeah yeah. yeah, they kind of Mech do Warrior those nowadays, that. though. I mean, like, um, I think Last of Us had one of those. Uncharted did one of those. Doom Eternal. Is Doom Eternal... Oh, you mean, like, Doom Eternal as a game, or a... It had an expansion. It had, The newest DLCs are story expansions. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of coming back, but... Yeah, like, uh... The one that I always remember, because, I mean, of course, you got, like, Sims and all the expansions with those. <laughs> yeah. The one I remember that I was always happy with was uh, MechWarrior 3. They had a gold edition, which was the original MechWarrior 3 game and the expansion MechWarrior 3 Pirate's Moon, which was mm-hmm. hard as fuck because it was yeah. just on a fucking moon and it's pitch black space. So your mech has a flashlight on it. And ah, you'll just be walking. <laughs> you'll be walking <laughs> along in your giant robot, and all of a sudden, oh, that's a moon. That's a moon fucking uh, abyss, and you'll just like fall into this crater and then explode. That sounds like a horrible game. <laughs> it was so fun. I beat it like twice in my entire childhood. That it was so horrible. hard. The, I'd it was love to so see. Hard. I'd love to see Yahtzee review that. <laughs> It was Mech Warrior Three was fun, man. But Mech Warrior is a very uh, niche community. Mm-hmm. I never uh, played Mech Warrior. I played Heavy Gear back in the day. Not the same. Yeah, I, I've I've heard. I've thought about trying to play Heavy Gear again because, of course, I didn't know what stuff was back then. It's like right. uh, activate your perks. I don't know what any of this means. Um, let me take a look. Uh, Heavy Gear. There was a new oh, one yeah. recently. People hated it. Oh, Heavy Gear looks somewhat like Mech Warrior. Somewhat. 
Um, I had Heavy Mech Gear War- 2 back in the day. Mech Warrior always had the benefit of just being American mechs, which means mm-hmm. we are just giant walking tanks. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the difference between like Mech Warrior versus Gundam, is Gundam is trying to be as humanoid and fast as possible. Mech Warrior's like, we want 50 missile launchers on this thing. Mm. And it should walk really slow and be able to take a beating. But like the Mech Warrior games, especially the uh, Mech Warrior Online, because I haven't played Mech Warrior Five. It's all about customization. Like you find the mech you want that has the different like weapon types that you can get, and then you build it, and you put as much armor as you want on it, and you put all the coolant areas, the different weapons. It, it allows a lot of customization and variety, and it is really easy to fuck it up so people just fucking destroy you. Yeah. Oh, Heavy Gear was a tabletop RPG, I think. So was Mech Warrior. This makes sense. Uh, Mech Warrior was originally known as Battletech, which, fantastic sci-fi book series. Didn't they just release a Battletech game? Recently, they also like, released Mech Warrior Five. Yeah, uh, yeah. BattleTech uh, is similar to XCOM, I believe. Yeah, it was. It's an isometric. It's a big grid, though, so it's not like a map of a bunch of different things. Some of the PP. Uh, oh, Activision owned both Heavy Gear and BattleTech Mech Warrior, but eh. it was it was heavy. They'd made Heavy Gear after losing the rights to BattleTech and Mech Warrior. Yeah, that sounds about right. Interesting. Yeah, they also released Mech Warrior Five, which is akin to uh, the original Mech Warrior series. So it's a mech simulator well, that has online co-op. Mech Warrior Five Mercenaries. Hmm. But yeah. Anyways, I think we got a little off the deep we end d- there. I f- Super Bernie World on Steam. <laughs> hey, <laughs> I don't know. That was interesting. Anyway, uh, yeah, we went hard on gaming today. I do have some music news oh. starting off. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I forgot. Also, uh, new uh, Wukong trailer. It's gameplay for people that don't know. This is a, I believe, Chinese-made game. It's a Souls-like, and you play as the mythical entity known as Wukong, which is basically the Monkey King, and he uses a staff and lots of magic, and the gameplay looks amazing. Also release, Metroid Dread. I am getting hyped. This is a dangerous area. I'm willing to buy a Switch. I am going to cry if it is bad. I would. It can't be. I would hold off on buying a Switch until reviews come out. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I, I've i wanted a Switch for a while. I just always fair. was like, I'm going to hold off until they release Metroid Prime or Metroid Prime Trilogy. And since neither of those are happening, but Metroid Dread's happening. Also, uh, I loved the um, hard drive article. Uh, Nintendo announces Metroid Prime 5. They're just going to skip Prime 4. <laughs> Every, I, a common joke was they should do that with Half-Life 4. <laughs> uh, you got any more game news? Nah, I think that's good. Do you have any music news? No, uh, I'm sure there's some bands I'm looking forward to hearing new music from that are releasing Obscura, uh, for one. Uh, Insomnium's really got a new one. much Obscura. You might one day. Insomnium is releasing an EP. That's all I can think of at this current juncture. Interesting. I There was another Iron Maiden song that dropped. I mm-hmm. didn't finish it. Um, no. It's just, uh, it sounds very tired. 
I, I, if I want to listen, if I want to listen to Maiden, I'll stick to the classics. I, I hate to be that guy because I I still love like I love newer Metallica. I can handle like I even like a couple of newer Slayer songs, or I like I like Sabbath's last record, but it's just not that good so if you guys enjoy it of course I, I i hope you continue to don't let me crap on your fun let's see we have a at the gates is thomas Lindbergh thinks it will be better when today's young adults take charge i agree yep. thank you thomas Lindbergh. there's really <sighs> not much to well i mean they go into a little bit of the nightmare of being i just hadn't i haven't looked through the full interview but yeah, the the old people are dying out, and so will their ideals. Continuing. Oh, wait, hold on. I want to add to that. I saw some some meme that somebody posted, and it hit a little too close to home. Uh-huh. We typically don't have 60 to 80-year-olds working in the field anymore. Why the hell are they in government? Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's fair. Ed Sheeran might collaborate with Danny Filth. So I mean, they'll just make garbage. I mean... Like, it's kind of cool, but I I can tolerate Ed Sheeran. I would rather listen to Ed Sheeran than Cradle of Filth. <laughs> I would listen um, to a Cradle of Filth instrumental. That's fair. I I just don't like Danny. I don't like Danny Filth. Just, mm. His vocals suck, too. But His as vocals. a person, he's just obnoxious. Yeah. Folk pop singer, uh, singer songwriter Ed Sheeran suggested he was open to making a death metal album earlier this year, uh, citing Cradle of Filth as one of his childhood favorites. Ah, yes. My favorite death metal band, Cradle of Filth. (laughs) Well, he's a pop star. What do you expect? But it's cool. I'm not going to be one of those guys. It's like, why are pop stars wearing metal T-shirts? They might like metal. They might like metal. (laughs) I don't. You know, I mean, it's cool that that might happen. I'm probably not. Uh, I might. I You'll might check listen it out to, because I'll you check have it to. out because I have to. Yes, that's a good way of putting it. But I'm not <laughs> going to listen to the whole thing unless if it blows my, my mind. Who knows? Maybe it'll be good. I don't know. I I can be hopeful, but it is cool that like at the somebody I believe Ed Sheeran was the number one Spotify artist for a while. Yeah, so somebody he released some popular music. I mean, he was even in uh, Game of Thrones, which a lot of people apparently hated his spot. I didn't think it was bad at all. I've never watched Game of Thrones. Um, well, that's fine. I haven't either, but I watched uh-huh. the scene because everyone was having a car fuffle about it. And uh, a classic was, kerfuffle? Yes, a classic car fuffle. Also, Mastodon was in uh, Game of Thrones. I didn't know that either. Yeah, they played, I believe, a bunch of White Walkers, but I could be wrong. I thought you were about to say they played a bunch of white people. I'm like, <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. Uh, um, like, but okay. uh, all right. <laughs> but yeah, like all these like super, like musician guest spots are typically just like, hey, they they were in the thing. Like Ed Sheeran, I think, was just a random like soldier person sitting by a fire playing a folk tune okay why are people getting like super upset it sounded fine yes so that might be interesting i might look it up or i might check it out um trivium released a new song for uh called feast of fire they announced a new album of the title in the court of the dragon i think they 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 released the song in the court of the dragon as well that was their first single 
Yeah, I listened to part of it. I thought it was fine. I have not listened to this yet. I, you know, I'll probably check out the album once it drops. I really did like what the Dead Men say. Yeah, it was, it was a solid record. Did you did you look back at that song I told you to look at uh, by Tribium from that album? And I, I'm telling you, his cleans, he's really sounding like Corey Taylor. I know the song Catastrophist. Um, I have not listened to it again, but I could, you know, from memory, I could kind of see where you're coming from. I'll take him sounding like Corey Taylor over sounding like David Draymond, like he did in The Sin and the Sentence. So, I mean, uh, funny enough, he, uh, David Draymond, I know. helped with that album. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I, I, granted, I didn't mind The Sin and the Sentence, but I think uh, where the Dead Men say is a better album. Uh, oh, everything yeah. beats uh, Silence in the Snow. Sorry, sorry, Matt. I've never. I, I think I tried listening to one song off of that, and I was like, eh, whatever. It, 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 <laughs> uh, give me Shogun Two, please. You're never, you're never gonna get Shogun Two, please. You're never gonna get Shogun Two. You're never gonna get Ascendancy Two. You're never gonna get uh, like those are like their two most popular best album. Yeah, never gonna happen. At best, you might get. What the dead men say too. <laughs> machine head, give me the blackening too. That's definitely head. never going to happen. Hey, Screw hey, head. hey, head you didn't. Hey, you didn't fully hate that album. You just kind of hated I, it. I can't stand. I hate Rob Flynn. <laughs> with passion. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, Randy Blythe urges urges Lamb of God concert goers to get vaccinated and quote wear an effing mask. I agree. Nothing really yeah. to say here. People know our stance at this point. Yeah. Speaking of COVID, Corey Taylor tests positive for COVID nineteen. Uh, it's a bit of a bummer. I hope uh, he heals well. Uh, he said he is vaccinated, so he'll he probably won't have too many issues. But he did say he was pretty sick though. Yeah. Was that a joke? No, there's no, a Slipknot uh, song called "Sick." That's what I was making sure. No, but yeah, no, uh, so, in like a subtext somewhere, it said he was feeling pretty bad. Yeah, I wish I had better news. I woke up today. This is a quote. I woke up today and tested positive. I'm very, very sick, so I'm not going to be able to make it this weekend. I'm absolutely devastated. I am so sorry. Yeah, I hope all. I hope all is well for Corey Taylor. You know, getting yeah. it at all sucks. At least he is vaccinated, so hopefully it won't cause any issue, uh, major issues like it did with. Um, I, I think what's his name from Tool had some lasting issues. Oh, James. Yeah, yeah. James Maynard Keenan. Which I, even though I'm not a fan of their music that much, I, you know, it sucks that not it James. messed up his. It's yeah. just Maynard. My bad. It's Maynard. It's Maynard. Maynard James Keenan. So there's that. And this is just stupid. So, but it's also kind of funny. There was a post on Metallica's subreddit. A fan didn't realize that Hardwired to Self-Destruct released in 2016. He thought it was an album leak and posted about it on the Metallica subreddit. And That's it's fucking beautiful. <laughs> Slodware says, this isn't a joke. Okay, well, there's a pretty solid chance it's a troll, but the reactions are quite hilarious, so we'll proceed anyway. I hope it's real. I, I hope this person is dumb enough to think it's real. <laughs> but it was, I, I saw the headline. Oh, yeah, there's that list that I'm going to do at the bottom of the article. Gross. Uh, I hate, I hate that. Anyway, yeah, so that was dumb. I just, I saw the headline for that last night. I'm like, what does that even mean? The headline was, fan thinks Metallica's last, most recent album hasn't been released yet. So my first thought was, 
yeah, their most recent album hasn't released. They haven't released another album yet. What do you, what does this, uh, what does this article mean? <laughs> but right. now I know. And I, I think I was, I think I was happier when I didn't know. Right. So that's all I got on news. All right, everybody, let's get on to the main event. In this corner, we have Mitchell and the, actually in this in this metaphor, I don't... Would Devin Townsend be in your corner because you gave it, or would it be Mr. Bungle because you're reviewing it? Uh, in this corner, Mitch, and the other corner, Mr. Bungle. Because I'm fighting I was, it. I don't... But the, it was more over, like, I was I was re-announcing uh, what we were doing. I didn't nah. know, like... Anyway, whatever. Mm. This, this is... This there, metaphor is two, stupid. Two fights. A, uh, two fights there two, tonight. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. 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 In this corner, we have Mitchell Wade. On the other corner, we have Mr. Bungles Disco Volante. And I guess Strapping Young Lad City is there for moral support. Uh, um, <laughs> oh no! It's a tag team. Mitch wasn't prepared. It's a, it's a handicap match. It turned from <laughs> boxing into wrestling. I forgot. There's wrestling news. You won't care, but maybe uh, other people will. <laughs> CM Punk returned after seven years away from the wrestling business. He, you know, oh my he returned God, at I, AEW. Holy shit. It's, I mean, it actually is kind of cool because he was a very, very highly regarded wrestler. He left because he couldn't stand the WWE. They actually fired. They sent him his pink slip on his wedding day. Oh, that's um, which nice. they claimed they claimed was an accident. <laughs> but Which, uh, Vince McMahon is insane. To be also fair, it does sound like something that they would do just to like stage for a WWE fight. Yeah, but it was legit. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was legit. I'm just saying, like, it does sound like someone's like, you've been fired from WWE, and then he comes in Oof. as a surprise Oof. from Raw. <laughs> Man, or they like have that. been. CM Punk has been a rumor for the past seven years of every major show it's like cm punk's gonna come back man cm punk's gonna he re-signed brother he actually did do a re-signing with wwe but not a uh performer he was a spokesperson for their like talk show or something for a little while it didn't last long and he you know he debuted yesterday at aew's rampage a lot of people were excited there's a crying cm punk fan meme now and uh I, I can't tell if people are making fun of him or supporting him. I did see a Instagram post of a wrestler named Tommy Dreamer. Um, he's a, like a classic guy. He, he's been in the business forever. He's like, I want to find out who this is, and I'm going to fly him out to the next show. I'm like, oh, Aww. that's awesome of you, man. So I assume people were being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's cool. Uh, I, I'm kind of excited for that. I don't really watch wrestling anymore, but I do keep up with it in like background stuff. So I know when I should be mad about stupid things. <laughs> oh, I guess Bray Wyatt is going as well. Everybody was shocked that he got fired from WWE because he had Damn. like the most entertaining character uh, known as the Fiend. Everybody loved the Fiend, and they just treated. They've always treated Bray Wyatt, Bray like garbage, which is sucks because he has a great mind for the business and he's very creative. So it's a rumor that he's going to AEW as well. And uh, I think WWE signed their own death warrant. They they released a ton of people from NXT, which is like the you watch NXT if you are a hardcore wrestling fan because it's it's more about the performance and not stupid. Uh, really bad storylines so anyway i i completely forgot about that i was gonna i didn't have it pulled up it just popped back into my head because of the handicap match thing so that um, i am going through 
Yes. So uh, prior to us starting this real quick, I will say there is a, you know, a little inside baseball for the show. One of the bad things about Mitchell and I working together now is that we kind of we give each other a lot more hints about what we are feeling about records than we used to. Um, back when I didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah. So um, I have known Mitch's um, opinion on this album for a few weeks now. I don't know if it's changed at all in terms of specifics. I do know he he watched some. Uh, I wouldn't say dot video essay, but other things about the said album he is going to be you know so mitchell what do you have to say about um this avant-garde hold on what do, it's labeled it as is avant-garde a, uh <laughs> avant-garde metal fusion experimental album disco volant yes uh well before i get into that i would like to uh i uh, last episode uh, fucked up Everyone knows it that oh, you listens okay. to multiple gotcha. episodes. Um, I figured you know I would start with an appetizer because it's going to be short. Uh, I listened to the wrong Strapping Young Lad album. I listened to Alien instead of City. Now I enjoyed Alien quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It was good. I had complaints. I then listened to City. I've only listened to it once, so I'm just giving you a very brief. This mm-hmm. is how I felt about it. I really liked it. I thought it was good. It was a bit less experimental. I almost, if I remember correctly, it was kind of more straight metalish. Yeah, the, he. I don't remember many talking parts of it at all, which was my main um, complaint. Yeah, I don't remember many either. The this album I think has my favorite Strapping Young Lad song, which is uh, "Oh My God." I, yeah, I I love that track. Um, uh, it's it, it's just. Mm. Mm. It's a pretty, it's a pretty heavy album. Pretty good. I enjoyed it. I mean, it's Devi, but it's Devi before he was Devi. I found with, out there's you know, a Wikipedia uh, or a wiki named Heavy Devi Wiki. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah, he likes to go by Heavy Devi sometimes. I, you know, if you like Strapping on Lad or any of Devin Townsend in general, you should check it out. I don't think Devin's really released a, like, bad, bad album. I think he's released some that are just kind of, like, meh. Uh, but yeah. Devin is an experimental avant-garde musician uh, and composer. So you never he's know what man. you're going to get. Now, is he as avant-garde as the legends of Mr. Bungle? No. No, no, he is not. <laughs> I, I'm going to state this right now. I have, you know, music theory background. People know this. I mm-hmm. sometimes talk about it. Avant-garde is a very hard genre to talk about because something is only avant-garde for so long. Like, it will always be an avant-garde album or band. But yeah. as soon as other people start doing that stuff, it becomes less of that. And avant-garde and experimental can be interchanged in terms of wording Mm -hmm. so that's fine the first time people really started that i can think of talking about avant-garde as a genre of music would be in the 20th century with jazz musicians known like coltrane where that was avant-garde jazz where it kind of threw it like jazz in general kind of threw music theory out the window it said, right. okay, we've been writing Bach, Beethoven, Mozart music for so long. 
And yes, we have been experimenting, but not to the extent that we want. So ragtime came out as a thing. Okay. The ragtime was the beginning of jazz. And then from there, you got, you know, like your big band jazz, your swing jazz, all that stuff. And then Coltrane and a whole bunch of other jazz musicians is like, no, we're going to take a step further. And so if you listen to Coltrane's Giant Steps, it is literally like, it starts off with like, you know, standard sax opening. But then it's like five minutes of like sax, a phone, just out the wall solo. And this is John Coltrane? Yes. Uh, fantastic. Giant steps. Giant steps. Giant steps. And this and is like, I assume this is like freeform yep. jazz. Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, what it is. Uh, I'm gonna I've never I've never really listened to a lot of jazz. Um I it, actually thought jazz was a lot older than you than you said. <laughs> no, uh like maybe late nineteen or late uh 19th century, early 20th century. Yeah. Uh, I'll keep talking while uh, this is going, but lots of key changes to the point that it's almost atonal in nature and atonality was experimented a lot with in the 20th century, along with a rhythmic stuff. And so you get things like minimalism with John Cage, who was very famous for doing the piece for 33, which stands for four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. Mm -hmm. To me, not really a musical piece, but a more form of philosophical experimentation because he was trying to show that the crowd and the surrounding sounds were just as much a part of the musical performance as the actual music playing itself. Right. Sure. That's, that's fair. I absolutely hate that people call it a music piece. I hate that he calls it a music piece. Uh, he even sued people that tried to do like a funny version of like four minutes and 34 seconds or something like that and he actually like sued them did it go through <laughs> i can't <laughs> remember but it's just kind of an asshole thing uh let me look yeah. up other famous minimalist composers i really like this by the way yeah like, and it, you should hear some of uh mr bungle in there almost yeah okay yeah i can yeah i could see that i'm not gonna obviously take much of your notes away but something that I, I see here in in the world of mixing and engineering, you have a stereo field. You have your left channel and your right channel. And in this particular piece, the saxophone is only, or mostly rather, I just took off the headphone to check, is mostly coming out of the left. And all of the drums are coming out of the right ear. And that's something that Disco Volante plays around with here and there throughout like weird stereo uh, spacing. Which is something I'm not even going to notice. Because uh, audio engineering isn't really my thing as much as I would like it to be. Well, if if you just if you talk about certain songs, then I recognize that I'll point it out. Have you ever heard of the website Map of Metal? Yes, I love Map of Metal. I was checking; it's been so long since I've looked at it. I went on there and clicked on their avant-garde metal section. The first song on there is a Mr. Bungle song, and yeah. but I was always, especially nowadays, I, I'm kind of confused by the placement of Mashuga in the avant-garde metal section. And maybe it's just because I'm so used to it and that gent has kind of, or at least that style, has just be- become normalized. Like, I yeah. don't consider New Millennium Cyanide Christ an avant-garde metal right. song. I don't consider um, Perpetual Black Second one. I've never heard of any of these other people. 
Oh no, yeah. the Ocean Collective is on this. Yeah, sure. They've done the Origin of God. I'm not familiar with that. Huh. Interesting. I might have to look at this website a little bit more again. But anyway, uh, continue. Well, uh, just to get into that, I mean, for all people need to know avant-garde is similar in saying renaissance or new movement it's something that's new mm-hmm. whoever was the first progressive death metal band i'm going to say opeth but that's probably not right it was probably you know maybe let's look at oh come first uh, i mean it might have been death first yeah but death was more like death metal or just whatever whatever the first of a genre is is going to be technically avant-garde people that Mm -hmm. add to that but maybe build off of it become avant-garde or they become post musicians because like Uh, post post (laughs) because i hate the term shoegaze i would rather call like old death heaven because now they're a new thing their newest Mm -hmm. uh album not metal at all. Clean vocals, everything. They like completely ditched the black metal thing. But like New Bermuda, which I love that album. That is a good example of what people call shoegaze, but what I like to call post black metal because it's taking some basically all post music is, is it's taking whatever the old style was like black mm-hmm. metal and adding something of whatever might be new in music. Yeah. So atmospheric stuff was getting really popular around when Death Heaven was doing their thing, but also mm-hmm. adding major chords and stuff. So that's why they became post-black metal, but also shoegaze was the genre. That and was whatever. there their first album wasn't Sunbather? I no, assume. there was one before Sunbather. Gotcha. That's the only that's the only experience I've had with Death Heaven. I really recommend New Bermuda. Uh, I think okay. it's better than some bathers. Some people would disagree with me. I also do have an answer on who are the earliest progressive death metal bands. Okay, go. Uh, death is one of them. Um, they list sure. Human, the album. Um, yep. Also, Cynic. Yeah. I didn't realize Cynic was that old. Yeah, Cynic is an old man. I had no idea. And then the band Atheist. Oh, I always forget about Atheist. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried listening to them early on. I just wasn't sure. Um, their their adventurous quote their quote adventurous jazz death metal classics in eighty nine so maybe yeah. they would be the considered like the first progressive death metal band yeah and so just avant garde is fine to have as a genre label but it's more of a time period label for the genre you know at the gates mm-hmm. might be melodic death metals the avant garde area mm-hmm. whatever but. Avant-garde, experimental, those are kind of interchangeable. And I will say this right now before going back into my point about minimalism and avant-garde and jazz. Mr. Bungle, those musicians are very, very good, talented musicians and composers. Mm -hmm. You could not accidentally write something like this. Yeah, I... Yeah, yeah. Because... People that write music and they don't know much about music in terms of theory or you don't even really need to know about theory, but just knowing like sounds and understanding genres and stuff can really help people that don't understand that. Typically, there are always outliers to anything will write similar to what they like to listen to. This is why I always, you know, say no, a good musician or composer 
doesn't need to know music theory to do what they need to. There are plenty of blues and jazz musicians that have never seen a single note in their life, but they can play really well and they can write really good music, but they almost stick to those rules and they don't even know the rules that they're sticking to. It's just habit. It's how musicians are and how humans are. It is much easier to break the rules if you know the rules to be broken. And so it is very clear that Mike Patton and the rest of Mr. Bungle know what they're doing. They're good at their instruments. They're good at composing. They are great, fantastic musicians and composers. I will not argue against that whatsoever. And I will start this now. Absolutely fucking hated this album. I will get into the reasons (laughs) why, but I want to talk a little bit more about the minimalism movement and everything. For people that don't know, I took a music theory class in college that was the fourth level music theory, and it was all about 20th century writing and everything. So I had to Mm -hmm. learn about all this crap. Basically, there are periods in music. Currently, we're in the contemporary period, uh, and it's hard to really talk about contemporary music as a period because we've had so many genres and instrument changes and explosions in music and you know the internet exists now so like combining music and sampling and sharing instruments and it's so huge so i don't know historically if the contemporary period is over and there's something more but Prior to that, you had the classical era, which was Baroque, classical, and Romantic. After that, you get into, and that is also not including, as far as I know, tribal music, folk music, you know, because blues was still kind of a thing back in the 17 and 1800s since it started with uh, African slave songs Mm -hmm. and everything. So those periods of music are not encompassing all music and they're not encompassing eastern they're they're encompassing western standardized music but when you get into the 20th century just everyone was like let's experiment the hell out of this you have stravinsky who's like the first composer that is famous to use what is known as the devil tone which is just a tritone is Mm -hmm. the most like dissonant interval that you can have and people freaked the hell out (laughs) there were apparently riots at his like his performance and everything and uh it was the rite of spring which is a pagan musical ballet Mm -hmm. pagan ballet sorry uh it's pretty freaking metal sounding at points it has a lot of dissonance it's very heavy at points very rhythmic um and like chuggy and it's hilarious to say this because this is a symphonic piece. Yeah. Um, no guitars or anything. It's just horns and brass and woodwinds and strings and everything. But like you can definitely hear early heavy metal in it and death metal and everything. And mm-hmm. all this experimentation started exploding. Then you got the people that are like doing minimalism, like John Cage and Steve Reich and Philip Glass. And I hate these composers. Because they're really annoying at points, but they do some really cool things. John Cage, we already know. Uh, Steve Reich did this really cool thing called It's Gonna Rain. And all he did was take two tape recorders and play them together. That's it. And it's on repeat. It's this gentleman saying it's going to rain. Tape recorders don't play at the same speeds. So slowly it gets out of sync. 
and keeps getting out of sync and then it gets resynced later on. And that was his entire thing. That's what he did. But then he started writing pieces to do that. There's like one with just voices and it's like singing and they're like choir voices and they're Mm -hmm. singing the same thing over and over again, but they're getting out of sync and it's really fascinating and interesting. They've got one with violins and it's just small little things that do big things. And, you know, along with jazz, Mr. Bungle and all of them are kind of dealing with this stuff. They're trying to take information from the old, bring it into the new, do really mm-hmm. interesting, fascinating things. Now, there's our music history. Go check it out. The 20th century was just fascinating for music. If you're really into music, jazz mm-hmm. was cool. The symphonic stuff and experimentation from Steve Reich, Philip Glass, and John Cage were really interesting. Um you got Stravinsky and all those like early symphonic 20th century composers. You have the invention of the theremin, you know, recording started becoming a thing. Radio became a thing. The Beatles and then the invention of pop industry became a thing, even though the pop industry with rock and roll was kind of a thing. The Beatles really accelerated. It's not the Beatles fault. It's unfortunately the industry's fault, but that's when the (laughs) synthesizers came out, techno, electronic music, just, you know, people really experimenting and exploding in genres, rock, metal, rap, hip hop. Uh, And this is where all those like annoying little subgenres start coming in and all that. So, Mr. Bungle, what they like to do is they like to take classic music theory, pretty much throw it out the window incorporate a lot of jazz theory, but also take little tidbits of rock, electronic, techno, experimental, Eastern music, which I didn't even bring up, and just pluck it in and throw it about. This album is incredibly hard to listen to. It is very oppressive. It is very dynamic. And to me, a bad sense. It is constantly causing you know backlash and whiplash here and there and everywhere there's no consistency except the chaos itself and i hate that i i as a musician a music lover and a composer love experimentation but i have a hard limit and this went way past that limit i think bands that do experimentation really well but don't push it too much are people like Deb Heaven, Haken, Devin Townsend, Opeth to an extent, but not really, Gojira, all those like folk metal bands and other things. They, they're they playing it safe a little bit in their music, but they're still incorporating experimentation. Devin Townsend still has transitions that flow really nicely together. Even though he's pulling from different genres, they seemingly tend to blend together. Haken does the same thing. Here with Mr. Bungle, the transitions are hard all the time, it feels like. All of a sudden, you're like in a John Coltrane jazz solo, and then it gets into like kind of circusy, quiet horror music all of a sudden. Um, death metal. You, the, <laughs> death metal out of fucking nowhere. The the very first track is just very dissonant, in your face, oppressive. Oh, it's so stressful. 
And uh, Ethan made me watch, you know, an album review discussion, whatever you want to call it. And I agreed yeah, with the guy. Let me get that guy's name because I, I like the information yeah, let's call, he gives. Yeah, let's call him out. I'm not not call, call him out. out. <laughs> not call him out. Uh, mention him. There we go. Yeah, uh, give me one second. It was a Disco Volante review. Because I also watched this guy's video on... Oh, his name is very... I also watched his uh, video on that Dillinger escape, uh, Calculating Infinity, and I thought it was very interesting. Uh, the channel is Make Weird Music. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. If you, if you want to... He has a whole playlist called Jaw Droppers, and that is where Calculating Infinity is, and I believe the disc... Yeah, Disco Volante was the first entry on that as well. Very, very interesting. Yeah, and so a lot of what I'm saying, I'm kind of borrowing from him in a little bit because I agreed. Now, he came to the conclusion that you could end up really liking this piece. And I think this falls in the same area as liking Primitive Man to an extent. Mm, yeah, okay. In which, in which it's less that you're liking it because you enjoy the sound and more you're liking it for music for music's sake or you're seeing the small bits form into the big picture but for me personally it's just too much it's a sensory overload i was literally while working at our job hitting my head against the uh chemical hood that i have to work out of during certain parts uh, not you know to the <laughs> point that i was causing a concussion but it, it made me go why what the hell this doesn't sound good who is enjoying this you know <laughs> it's a step above the weirdness that uh you felt in um the wow i can't Disona. remember the band yeah disona this is like two tiers above that uh because sometimes disona did soft changes in their genre or at least waited until another song but this just feels like it has no flow. It's chaos to be chaotic. And that's not a bad thing. It's just not my thing. And that's why I have to preface. These are good musicians. It's just like Primus. They're very fantastic musicians. They know what they're doing. Les Claypool is a beast at bass. I mean, he's up there with um, Tosin Obasi on guitar and, um, oh God, I can't remember that extremely famous rock bass player. Um, Flea? Oh, I, I thought you were talking about Flea oh, from the Flea. Red Hot Chili Peppers. No, though Flea is up there and the guy that, that does, um, derm, derm. Oh, the guy from Mudvayne. Mudvayne guy. But no, I was thinking of Victor Wooten. Oh, well, well yeah, Victor Wooten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, Les is right up there in my opinion with those bass players but i have a sound that i really like i do enjoy experimentation but you know this was just an overload this was too much i could not handle it i mm -hmm. am not avant-garde enough for this shit i was constantly thinking to myself what is this john cage avant-garde bullshit that i'm having to listen to it, it's an experience that that is to be said whether you enjoy it or I not, agree that. I, I mean, if you enjoy this, I don't know what to tell you. You might be a fucking serial killer. But if you appreciate it on a music level, I can respect that. From what I've heard of California by Mr. Bungle, fantastic. Great. It's an experimentation, but it's not to the same extent. And it's much more listenable and much more <laughs> pleasant to listen to. 
So would I recommend this? If you want to dive into experiment, uh, experimental music and you want to see a band that knows genres and knows how to utilize destroy them in such them. a way, <laughs> and just utterly unravel them, them. <laughs> listen to this album. If you like lots of melody and you like good flow, this probably isn't your album. Uh, mm. I'm not going, if I was going to give this a number, it would be a one out of 10, but that's based on my enjoyment, not the actual, you know, musicianship or anything along those lines. Ethan, I fucking hate you. Why did you do this to me? And for an entire month. Um, okay. So the, the entire month thing was both of our faults. Secondly, I gave you the option of uh-huh. <laughs> choosing the self-titled or this. Uh-huh. I figured you would probably like California. And I do recommend you listen to California. Maybe in the future I might give you California, but not for a long time. Um, <laughs> Mitch is my pet now. Huh? Mitch is my pet Oh, yeah. Out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I was, I, I knew going in and I agree with a lot of things. This album is hard to listen to by design. When I was, you know, when I was editing the last episode and when I was talking about Persephone, there was a, and I'm not, I'm not using this as a defense for this because obviously it, it, it counts the same way. When I was saying Persephone kind of gets up their own butt with how long and extravagant some weird, some of the, the uh, clean melodic verby parts, your reply was, well, that's what they were going for. And I'm like, true, but that doesn't mean I have, I, I have to enjoy it, Um, which me, which totally flips into here. And I'm not by any means telling you that you, you have to enjoy it. I I do appreciate that. You said you respect it. It's, but this is by design. Almost every song is a different genre with songs like Carrie stress in the jaw. It is multiple genres within the same song. There's no trend. There's, there's, I, I can't, I think the only song that has decent like transitions that make sense are is desert search for techno Allah. and that's more of like an edm type track it's a bit more of like it's a bit more groovy um i don't think it has very many metal parts in it this it's it's one thing that i have issues with on this album uh very similar to how i described a sona i think this is an album of moments and not exactly an album of songs there are parts of Disona that I liked and there are parts of Disona that I did not like. Similar to this album, there are parts that I do like and there are parts that I don't like. And then there are parts where I just think are in- interesting. It is it is weird because I do agree that this blows Disona out of the park when it comes to chaos and the weird genre switching. But I almost, I, I think I actually like this more than Disona and it might just be because I like the chaos of it more than things in Desona, because there were some things in Desona that didn't make sense, but they they continued act. They like thought that it should. Like in the first song, where it transitions from the the underground, and then it goes into like this EDM breakdown into like weird electronic synth flare-ups under growling i just didn't like it i didn't think it made any sense whereas in this if you listen to like carry stress in the jaw i'm like it doesn't make sense 
but they're owning it that it doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I will agree with you. The first time I ever... Li- so just a little background on my um, listening to Mr. Bungle. The only song until I decided to sit down and listen to all of Mr. Bungle that I knew was the track My Ass Is On Fire on their original on the self-titled which is their first actual release they had a few demos prior which are more along the lines of thrash and death metal which of course they revisited with the um re-release of their or the release of their last record and my ass is on fire is very chaotic but it also flows it has musical direction (laughs) it has you know consistency which this album does not have (laughs) i will agree with you so i I sat down to listen to it and even mr bungle the self-titled album i think is a bit stranger than disona mainly due to instrument choices i think they have like calliope moments and like weird i mean people call it a a clown metal album for a reason it has a lot of like weird circusy type sounds to it but it is definitely way more listenable than disco volante when i gave you the option of Mr. Bungle versus Disco Volante, you did say just go all in, to which I believe I laughed <laughs> when you said that. So I was like, all right, let's go. I think that by design, it's also weird because this was published by Warner Brothers. <laughs> Yeah, that makes absolutely no sense. (laughs) Warner Brothers, they must have said, hey, guys, how's the album going? And they just see Mike Patton like rolling around on the floor screaming and doing weird stuff. It's like, all right. And then he just leaves. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, you know what? You just do you, man. You you do you. The last Faith No More record did well. (laughs) I, I, I will say this. I did not enjoy Mike Patton's performance on this. Mm-hmm. I I mean, to be fair, the vocals in general weren't strong. And I literally mean a lot of his parts were very uh, hummed in and mumbled. I can I can agree to that. I did like the moments where he was like following along with instruments like in Carrie Stress in the Jaw. It had the boom, 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 boom. You know, I liked moments like that. I so in when I was talking about the panning thing in Desert Search for Techno, all once the vocals come in, they're strictly out of the left ear. He's going to the me a mod, me a makata world or whatever. Actually, what are these lyrics? I also uh, for people okay. to know, okay, this it's is sung gibberish. in multiple. Yeah, uh, this is sung in multiple languages, including gibberish. Is is this just straight gibberish, or is this a? Because the there is a song. I'm going to try saying this. Mamishka Masquaz. That, that one's in just uh, Italian. That is not in Italian. That is straight gibberish. They that have a song in, in Italian. Yeah, I believe that would be Violenza, Violenza yes. Domestica. Yes. I love, I'm going to send you a link to no, the Metallum page for this. No, thank <laughs> which you. They typed out lyrics for the gibberish one. Beautiful. <laughs> it's so stupid. But I was, uh, where's Google Translate? Google Translate. I want to see if this is something. Nope, I forgot. I still had this. I still had the link in there. So it's like, yeah, that looks like English, bud. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so yeah, all right. The the part of uh, disco Allah is in Arabic, which makes sense. It stands That's for the value. Right. 
the value yeah, of the, the value of a long, the value of the value of a complete human being. No idea if that's accurate because Google but, Translate is kind of sus. Right. But yeah, there's four languages. There's gibberish, which is not a language. Uh, there's Italian. <laughs> there's if pig Latin Arabic. Is a, if, if pig Latin is a language, gibberish should be a language. Pig Latin is a code language. It's a little different. Nonsense. Not to be confused with computer code. And uh, English. Yeah. Of course. Also, to add, I hated all the voices. I hated the old man. I hated the creepy baby. I didn't like the old man. The The creepy baby at least was interesting because it wasn't with music. So, <laughs> like, like the old man was. <laughs> uh, I, did like, I did like Platypus. So some, there is a thing I can complain about in this album, and I guess you touched on it. The It's not really clear what is being said most of the time, because I think I, I, I kind of think Mike Patton was probably or at least the way I'm choosing to look at it. It's kind of like the whole the voice is another instrument type thing, especially when he's scatting or doing weird stuff. Yeah, this album's strange. Uh, the Benz is a track that I think is very interesting, but I do not like it. <laughs> uh, especially the ending, which is ju it just turns into white noise, and then there's the sudden transition into backstroking. I enjoy the idea of Disco Volante. There are certain tracks that I can sit down and actually listen to. Um, I think I think uh, Chemical Marriage isn't that bad. I thought that was okay. I do enjoy Desert Search for Technoala. I actually think that is a good song. And then I think After School Special is funny. Except for the Creepy Baby. I don't like the Creepy Baby. Creepy Baby's kind of creepy. So I, I definitely agree with you that this is a hard listen um i knew that going in i figured this is something that you were either going to absolutely despise or that you would f get some sort of sick enjoyment out of like me i kind of figured you were going to go into the first one but you chose it dang it and um you but gave I'm glad me you, the option i gave you the option i gave you the option you're like your, throw me throw me into the deep end fault. dad and you, you, now he couldn't swim so i had to go in there I, now i'm scared of water all of it <laughs> I don't want to go in the water, Dad. I had to rush in with my strapping young lad uh, life preserver. But hey, I you know, you listened to it way more times than I thought you would after you told me that you did not like it. So I, I do appreciate that. And um, at least you appreciate you can appreciate or respect the album. Rather, it is sitting at a 93% on Metallum. I hate all you fucking people. <laughs> um, it's not their highest rated, uh, though. That would be California. That's sitting at a 96. You, so, yeah, I, that that's the thing when you, I think you're, what's it called? What you just did. Criticisms. Criticisms can only be on to Disco Volante. Disco Volante is not a representation of the band's music at all. So, if you hate Disco Volante, that is very understandable. You will probably, by definition, like Mr. Bungle or California or uh, even the Raging nope, Wrath nope, of the nope, Easter nope, Bunny nope, demo nope, way nope. more. Nope. Go away. Sorry, Succotash is trying to get on my laptop. He is oh, on I the laptop you keyboard. I thought you were talking to me. I thought you were no. going, nope, 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 nope. Get, like, get off, oh, get man. off, get off, get off. Oh, my God. Oh, fucking hate you. He just wants your help. He wants your he love. Yeah, but that could have fucked up our recording. True. True. Yeah. 
But yes, that was uh, you. That was probably your most in-depth review. I, I thought that was very en- entertaining. Um, and I actually came really with music history. Yeah, I actually really liked that. It was very, very educational. My review it's will almost not be like, very educational. <laughs> it's almost like Mitch wants to be a professor, and I like giving lectures. Yeet. So that was Mr. Bungle's Disco Volante. If you just want to experience some really weird stuff, maybe check it out. If not, hey, uh, can we can we add uh, Mr. Bungle to the uh, party? Of the summer. Dude, Mr. Bungle is playing shows, but I think it's just their thrash music. Yeah, well, let's just all of Disco Volante along with... Disco Volante in its entirety. Along with (laughs) Party Cannon. Party of the Summer Tour. Mr. Bungle playing Disco Volante in its entirety. It's a a co-headline tour with uh, Andrew WK and Mr. Bungle and supporting acts of Party Cannon. Fucking primitive, primitive man, man and son and God. son and Bellwitch playing all of Mirror Reaper right. in its I forgot, entirety. I forgot about I forgot about that too. Right, that would that's certainly a show. Oh, <laughs> they have that's like a solid a, six hour show. They have a uh, demo called "God Damn It, I Love America." It has a picture of uh, what's his name from The Shining. That's really weird. Weird. Mike Patton, are you okay? Are you okay? I have don't you, think he is. Have you seen Mike Patton? Of course he's not. I have seen Mike Patton. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so that was Mr. Bungle. I have enjoyed my time with Mr. Bungle. I will probably not sit through Disco Volante in its entirety any again at all. <laughs> I like a couple of songs, but I don't think I can sit through the whole thing again. I, I do really enjoy the first record, and California is really good as well. Sweet Charity is probably one of my favorite songs by them, which is off of California. Cool. I've just been on a, I've been on a Mike Patton kick recently, so I've been listening to a lot of Faith No More. I've been listening to a lot of Mr. Bungle. I started listening to Tomahawk. It's fine. I don't I don't really get Tomahawk, but anyway, let's move on. Let's go. Debbie, Devin Townsend, Devin Townsend Project. It's an album called Deconstruction. This album was released in 2011. It is standing at nine tracks, 10 if you look at the deluxe version, which I did not. It has a ton of, it has an absolute ton of guest spots on it, including the likes of Michael Ockerfeldt, Eson, Joe Duplantier, uh, Paul Masvidal, uh, the guy from... Oh, Greg Pucciato, which is from uh, Dillinger Escape Plan, Frederick Thorndall of Meshuga. There's a ton of people on this album. I gave it a few spins over the past month. Let me see. I, I, did not, I didn't really sit down with all of the lyrics. I've looked through them a little bit before we started recording. I did read up on the concept album. It's kind of weird, though, because with the explanation of what the album is about, it goes straight into the idea of being... Pres- First of all, this album is kind of a joke album a little bit has a lot of humor in it it goes straight into the idea of the devil showing him the secrets of the universe and showing him a cheeseburger and he's the the character is a vegetarian and cannot eat the cheeseburger so that reality is pointless and like that's interesting i'm a vegetarian i'm i can't eat cheeseburger guys i'm a vegetarian somebody say beer (laughs) anyway 
Did you, say, did you say beer? That song, uh, that that would be the song deconstruction. It's it's a funny track. I, I do like that song a lot. But that's that's eight songs in. So I don't know if it mentions the cheeseburger beforehand. No. no yeah, bad. I've, I've, yeah. Prior 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 to Satan showing him stuff is pretty much just the man going on a journey and thinking and trying to unravel the universe. Gotcha. Okay. So I did not really write notes, but I do remember most of the record offhand, which is a, a good start. First, I mean, I think it's safe to say that I did like this album. Yes. Any criticisms I have about it are pretty much criticisms that that span most of Devin's work. The mix is very, very dense. Uh, sometimes oh, yeah, it is it difficult. Is. It is, sometimes it is a little difficult to tell what's going on. Uh, sometimes I Give don't me get me wrong. I do sound, baby. Yes, it is very easy to have the music a little too loud and give yourself a headache. That's just, it is very, very compressed and it's just layers on top of layers on top of layers. But, and then I think some of the songs are a little too long. I think Stand is a little long. Another criticism that is a little bit more specific to this, I think some of the guest spots were a little understated. I told Mitch my first time through, I didn't even realize that like I knew Michael Ockerfeld was on it, but listening through, I just thought it was a lair of Devin growling. I didn't realize it was De- I didn't realize it was Michael Ockerfeld on the stand until the second time I, I listened to it. And then you're like, oh, there's Blackwater Park. I'm like, ah, oh, yes, growling. But then there were some situations like in Sumeria. I immediately recognized Joe. I immediately I, I did not realize Paul Masvidal was on there until you told me. But you've also never listened to Cynic. I knew that he was on the record. I just didn't realize where. Prior to listening to it in its entirety, I only knew the song Planet of the Apes, mainly because when I was still kind of early on in my metal journey, I heard that the song mentioned Meshuggah. So I listened to the song. And I uh, listened to like the first five minutes before it says we all there's a we while we all have lots of bands who influence still we all rip off Meshuggah. Kind of a weird line, I think, in in a this in a, in a concept album. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know if it has any prevalence to the story. Musically, the song is very, very chuggy, much like Meshuggah. It also apparently has the line called I have a little uh, that says I've got a little boner. Maybe I should have like looked through these lyrics a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i i enjoy it took me a little bit to really like praise the lowered i like i thought it was cool and then i really started getting into it once it starts building up like i i really like to just like move around and dance once it starts really getting into like the latter half of the song and it does the transitions on the album work really well the transition between uh praise the lowered and standard are good i did not like the first couple times i listened to it um as it went on I just think it is a little repetitive. Uh, it's a little too long for my tastes. I do like Ockerfeldt's growls in that, though. Yes, I do. I, I enjoy that. But after a while, I did kind of like get into the vibe. I, I like the singing on it as well. I also like the lyrics of the some fine heaven and stuff like that. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I offhand. OK, never mind. I looked at the lyrics. I recognize Jular now. Jular is really good. Uh, it has a lot of cool um, it's background Ular. chanting. Eular is that my my mistake? Eular is really good, and then I I that song this particular song has a lot of uh, consistent snare. If I remember going on throughout like the entire track, following the uh, lyrics. I think. Hold on. 
I uh, just want to double check. I do know I liked it, but it, it I believe Ular is one of those tracks that it's like, it's fine. But oh, I, I fucking love it. That was like my first Devin Townsend track. Yeah, before I had... You said this was 2011, right? Correct. Oh, this was the tour I saw him on. He did Planet of the Apes and Ular live, obviously, without the guest spots. Right. Unfortunately. He didn't do Samaria, which is a disappointment, especially since he was touring with Gojira. Or Gojira. Yeah, that's kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, well, and they could have also done the uh, Sea Shepherd thing together. Uh, granted, I they couldn't have done. I still haven't listened to that yet. I need to. It's literally a song. I know. I just keep forgetting. Um, after re-listening to Jular, yeah, Jular, uh, sorry. I do really like that song. I already talked about Planet of the Apes. I, I do still like Planet of the Apes. I think it's a little long. I start getting on. I start zoning out near the end. That being said, Sumeria is freaking awesome. Oh, I think that Sumeria, song is so good. It's and the thing is, it's I, I I told you about it, or I mentioned it once, and you said I, I think you had a point, but you said you wanted to wait till recording. Uh, Sumeria is actually kind of Gojira y. Oh yeah, in terms of the writing, I think the the riff. I was like, ah, yes, this sounds like Gojira. <laughs> yeah, I mean that entire song is very Gojira. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. I and I like Joe's uh, vocals on it as well. Yeah, I don't really have anything to say about Sumeria other than it absolutely slaps now we come to the mighty masturbator it is the longest song on the album at 16 minutes 28 seconds great thing about this it does not feel like it's 16 minutes and 28 no. seconds. i think this this song is a masterwork in terms of keeping your attention and flow transitions uh up until the very end i think the little i think the very end gets to be a little overstated with the the um like the carnival music i think it's it starts dragging a little bit there when uh, uh ziltoid is talking i could have done a minute less of that but but it is really good i love each section of it it builds up nicely i i actually did wreck something i i, I guess i have a complaint about is when, uh, when the lyrics aren't sung i sometimes have an issue hearing out what he says in this song i i was able to understand a lot of them i think the yeah it, it does have segments of getting a little repetitive like save the world you fool you child gets to be a little repetitive it just lasts a little bit long i really do like greg's uh, of the dillinger escape plans part in this song i think it's very very cool and at the very end, I completely lose track of what Ziltoid is saying. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that Ziltoid was even on it until you told me that he says, ladies and gentlemen, you know, Ziltoid the om omniscient. And I was like, ah, cool. <laughs> and looking at the lyrics now, I I wish I did do a sit down and look at the lyrics because some of these are so stupid. Uh, entertainingly great. so. See the four-faced boy. See the man with 17 testicles. See the child stand back and look into the infinite void. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> the few times I've gotten to see and notice Devin's humor, I think he's very good at being funny. He He's very he's fantastic live. Yeah, uh, I in the live version of Sumeria that you've sent me in the past, I like yeah. the random Ziltoid moment at the beginning. <laughs> Ziltoid for president. I, uh, phlegm, <laughs> phlegm in every cafeteria. Yes, I, bucket summit. <laughs> yeah, I actually I I wonder because that is the same concert I believe as uh, the Mighty Masturbator live video. Mm. I wonder if that is literally 
the aftermath of that or the prior to. I can't remember. I feel like it, it would make sense if it was after. Yeah. Yeah. Mighty Masturbator is good. I, I don't remember Pandemic that much. Pro, like, I, I know it's not bad because I don't remember being like, Ugh, this song sucks. But I think after the Mighty Masturbator, like, I kind of get into a I'm a little tired now. <laughs> yeah, that's how honestly, that's how I was, too. I was like, the first bit of this album is all right. Then Sumeria hits or UELR hits and Sumeria hits. And I'm like, mm, yes, my masturbator. And I'm like, OK, this is done. We're good. I mean, the al- the album does run an hour and 10 minutes. So it's 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 a long album. Um, especially for just nine tracks. That being said, I do like the song Deconstruction quite a bit. It has some really good humor. Even Guar's part in it. I forgot Guar was in it. Um, Does he do vocals? Yes. Where? Uh, I think he's like some of the spoken word shit. Oh, like in the beginning? Either in the beginning or the middle of the song. Fair enough. I I like the intro other than the farting sounds. I'm like, that's... It's weird that I've been listening to stuff recently. Like, there's a part in Mr. Bungle's first album that does that. Like the song ends and he goes, I'm going to go get a coffee. And then it's like some weird stuff. And then that feeds into a song. I'm like, why, why am I listening to things that have like weird farting and (laughs) samples? I don't get it. But, um, cheeseburger, cheeseburger. Beautiful. It's, it's. Yeah. He, he's, uh, the vocals on deconstruction and Friedrich Thorndahl does the solo. I do like the solo. Um, it's very clear of uh the the solo he has a very particular style of playing here it comes oh good lord it's a cheeseburger the song is it has some very clear jokes and including a part where he thinks the song is over and then it's like oh we're not oh we're not done yet are we and then it goes back in that song's really good and then i I, then I like Poltergeist, um, if only because it does like a really cool uh, sudden transition into it with Devin shouting, let's finish this. I'm like, all right, that's kind of cool. Fun fact, Poltergeist mm-hmm. does not have any guest spot. I was unaware. But sometimes it's the I had only a- song that doesn't have any guest spot. So, yeah, uh, Devin Townsend Project, you know, at this point, I think everybody knows how much of a fan of Devin Townsend both Mitchell and I are. I, I enjoy this quite a bit. I don't know how it compares to other albums. I like I don't know if I enjoy a Strapping Young Lad record more than this or not or Empath because I think I've listened to all of Empath Um, and Empath was my first foray into Devin Townsend. It's very, very good. There are a couple complaints I have but it's kind of, a lot of them are just complaints that happen on Devin Townsend in general, kind of being a little repetitive maybe staying on a riff a little bit too long or um, overstaying the song's welcome things like that overall i I really like deconstruction i would probably give it an 8.5 or a 9 somewhere in there it's a very excellent if you want a somewhat funny but uh some really groovy music and you've never really given a chance now that i think about it i don't know where i would suggest somebody start with devon townsend i i think deconstruction might be a little much (laughs) Uh, Deconstruction was actually my first album, and it was too much for me at the beginning. It was something I had to, like, listen to a couple of times, and I was like, oh, yeah. I think Empath is not a bad way to start, actually. Empath would be cool. Maybe Strapping Young Lad, if you're a bit more into just, like, your 
your traditional like maybe you like thrash and and things like that but yeah devin townsend's deconstruction is very very good at least we had a one good scoring album on 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 this episode on this episode i i don't think i can rate this i don't think i can rate disco volante it's one of those albums for me anyway i don't think i rated disona now that i think about it i can't remember i'd have i'll have to look again but anyway yes so do uh, do you have any notes about uh, either album? Yes. Uh, well, I already said everything that needs to be said about Disco Volante. Deconstruction. I actually saw this on the tour. It was the Atlas Moth, Devin Townsend project supporting Gojira on their first U.S. headlining tour doing L'Enfant Sauvage. God, mm-hmm. I would kill to relive that concert. It was fantastic. <laughs> and I shook Devin Townsend's hand. Oh, um, Debbie. Ah, uh, Debbie. He gave me a pick. Um, nice. It was really cool. Do you still have it? Yes, I do. It has Devin. Uh, I think it's Devin. It might be the other guitar player, but it has one of them as um, a Beavis and Butthead drawing on one side of it. I'll have to find it and send you a picture. But. Sumeria is my favorite. I also love UER, but I also like Isan. Even though I haven't listened to much Emperor, I do like his solo work. Sumeria, I thought, was just fantastically written. All the transitions, um, that like final growl from Joe going into the like little xylophone chimey stuff, and then uh, Paul Maspidal coming in. Just perfect. So the point, there was two things I wanted to say. One, I believe you, the R, is totally made up. I can't 100% remember. I guess I can look that up right now while I make this point. What do you mean by made up? Like it's a completely made up word. However, Sumeria is actually a thing. The Sumerian people, if I remember correctly, are considered to be the very first civilization. Yes, uh, uh, the Sumeria, or the Sumer, is the earliest known civilization in the historical region of southern Mesopotamia. Yeah, I've, I've heard of, I've heard of uh, Sumeria before. So I just thought that was interesting because it's an exploration of reality and everything. To be going back and looking at that, it does make sense in the story as well as some of the other stuff going on. I think Uliar was just supposed to be like a symbolization of God itself or something like that. But I can't 100% say for certain because it's Debbie and Debbie's weird. Man, they released two full lengths in 2011. Other points that I would like to bring in. He had the Prague Philharmonic Orchestra with this. Prague Philharmonic Orchestra is actually a really big part in metal. But where I know them most from, they are the... um, Symphony for Septic Flesh on all their albums. Because I've seen them several times pop up for metal. Oh, they're in the metal archives. They have been on albums with a band called After Forever. Never heard of them. Blind Guardian, Devin Townsend Project, Demu Borgir. They were with Dream Theater on the shitty album. They were with Epica. They were unfortunately with Iced Earth. And Septic Flesh is their big one that they've done constantly with. Oh, and they've been with Yingve Malmsteam, who can go eat a chode, because he's a stuck-up piece of shit that is still good at guitar. So, the one thing that you brought up, which was, Sumeria sounds a lot like a Gojira part, or a Gojira song. I honestly think a lot of the songs, he bar- like, whatever the guest spot is, he borrows that 
play style at least a little bit in those songs. Because I do hear a little bit of Opeth in Stand. It's not the entire song. Like, Sumeria is almost all Gojira. But yeah, I just, I think parts of it, you can really, like, he is borrowing those styles. I mean, that's an interesting thought, but I don't hear, like, for example, I don't hear BT Bam in Planet of the Apes. And I mean, I guess then again, I've never really listened to a lot of BT Bam. Planet of the Apes, I think, is very Meshuggah-y, at least in the beginning. I mean, I definitely do hear some Opeth with the stand. Let me see if I can find the part, because if I remember correctly, it was the uh, guitar uh, solo and stand that really reminded me of it. Yeah, okay, so listen to the stand and skip to like 535. I don't know, I get kind of Ghost Reverie vibes from the guitar solo. I could see that. The rhythms, not so much, but the solo, yeah. So, and it could just be me really leaning in and it's just a coincidence but yeah sumeria 100 it's a gojira song until paul masvidal comes in metal hammer describes de- deconstruction as easily the most deranged complex and sonically overwhelming thing he's ever done i could see that i i could agree to that if they were gonna say that's the most sonically deranged music ever made then uh, uh, <laughs> i haven't listened to disco volante <laughs> hey metal hammer have you listened to disco volante i'm actually curious so critical reception deconstruction, they pretty much got like above fours, at least on professional quote unquote ratings on Metallum. It's sitting at a 78% with eight reviews. Um, I it feel is. like that's a hair. I, I feel like that's a hair low. Um, let me see what Mr. Bungle's Disco Volante. Uh, I mean, uh, as you can imagine, some of their other things are very mixed reviews. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, they don't actually have a ton of major critical reviews on this. They have two, both of which reviewed fairly well. All Music Dumb. gave it a four and a half. What did they give Deconstruction? I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> what did they and give us? Stylus Magazine gave it, quote, ve- I don't, I would rather them give a star instead of just like very favorable. Not- Too wordy. Too wordy. Give me a number. All music gave deconstruction a three and a half. Lame. No I taste. Do think, I, I think three and a half is a little low. It's also it's also labeled as avant-garde metal. <laughs> yes. Yes. He definitely genre hops and but not on Devin Townsend Project's Metallum page. It is just prog and ambient. I liked I liked uh Devin Townsend Project's deconstruction quite a bit. Woo! So is this where we is this where we announce the special? thing i think this it is when could we announced be. the special special thing guys hey we're coming up on a whole year of distorted entertainment i'm surprised we haven't quit yet i <laughs> wanted to put my resignation in today he's but i work with this nerd. asshole <laughs> he does also work with me so if all things go well this episode will be going up on the 25th of august we've kind of been planning this for the past few episodes you can hear that because we keep kind of teasing it on the past couple of episodes for the one year anniversary of the show we're still going to be doing a review but we're going to be pulling back to do an ep instead of a full-length album and the reason we're doing that is i had the idea and then mitch agreed maybe stupidly i don't know if this is a good idea or not but i think it might be fun to rank all of the albums we listened to i mean i mean uh 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 
individually, like we're not going to be ranking the albums that we gave the other person because that would be stupid. So like I will everything be, I gave you is a ten. That is not true. Um, well, we're going to be ranking all of the albums that we gave each other into like a worst to best list. It might. I mean. That's the main idea. And I think it'll be kind of cool. I had some other ideas, too, for maybe like a, a, a YouTube video. Maybe just I had an idea where it's like I, I set up my green screen again. It's like on, just, on the first year of Distorted Entertainment, we talked about X number of albums, X number of genres, you know, as like a three or four minute fun little YouTube video to show off my editing or like to practice editing again. But that might be a little difficult to do. But yeah, so the our one year anniversary, we're looking on having it come out on the 8th of next month, which is a year and a day after our first episode, our first two episodes, I guess, went up. They went up on the 7th of last year. Yeah, it's it's been almost a year of this. I'm honestly surprised I had 23 albums to give <laughs> off the top of my head uh i may or may not be running out of music i'm not (laughs) i know he's not but man i've had a lot of fun over the past year other than like that that three month span where i couldn't leave my house because of my knee surgery that was weird Stored Entertainment's been a fun, a fun time so far. I'm glad that we stuck with it. I, I enjoy listening to music, and I appreciate everybody that listens to the show, of course. We'll try to make it through a second year, and we'll see how it goes. So, I think that being said, I don't really have any personal stuff to talk about. I, I, I got a new cat. I'm working. I'm trying to do ship stuff. I, I guess I went and met my the band I'm working with for the first time, and that was fun. Brain died. I don't have anything to talk about. <laughs> the only thing that's new in my life is, one... Uh, our new insurance or my new insurance, Ethan's old insurance for uh, where we work, uh, covered a fuck ton of the expenses that I have. So I'm glad because mm-hmm. prior to that, I owed more in medical bills than I actually make in a year. So that was cool. Uh, the other thing is, is I am the proud owner of a CPAP now. So. If I ever have a future partner, they'll have to sleep next to a person that looks like they're on life support or a jet fighter pilot. I just pretend that I'm in a dystopian cyberpunk universe because I do live in one pretty much. If you people, especially if it's not only people that are overweight, obese, but if you are and you feel constantly groggy or just not good and irritable, uh, maybe get a sleep study done. Talk to your doctor. I had severe sleep apnea which what that means is uh i was stopped breathing 48 times per hour hell yeah that's metal that, <laughs> that, that's that's not a good way to uh feel good uh and it can lead to many things like liver and kidney disease uh depression memory issues feeling not good heart problems a lot of things that mitch has so possibly might make my life a lot easier if I keep using it. Um, I do sleep a lot better. Uh, it is weird at first, but you get used to it. I think some people have harder times than others because people like don't like things against their face when they're asleep. Like, you know, like eye masks and blindfolds and stuff like that. I don't have that issue. So I'm able to sleep pretty easily with it. And uh, I haven't like ripped it off my face in my sleep. So it's pretty good. And it creepily keeps track of a lot of data and sends it to all the medical staff. So some people might have issues with that. Get over it. But apparently uh, I only stopped breathing like once or twice now per night. And nice. it 
immediately like forces me to not stop breathing uh, when it detects mm-hmm. that. Much better, much nicer. Uh, I'm still enjoying my job that Ethan got me again. I might start doing Upwork as an article writer because not using my philosophy degree. Might as well do it now. Try and make some money with it. Yeah, that's pretty much my life. It doesn't really change. I work, I come home, I be sad. I record this on occasion. Woo. On occasion. <laughs> on occasion. And I'm blasting through Metroid games uh, when I feel like playing. Yeah, I feel that. I um. Oh, yeah, Hades dropped on PS4, so I rebought it. <laughs> Just because, I mean, I haven't streamed in like two months, and I don't really like gaming on my PC right now just because the chair is uncomfortable Ah. and I would rather sit in my recliner. I I do have a steam link I could set up, but the steam link is very meh until I get everything until I get everything wired up. Maybe Um, I've used it in the past and it's okay, but it, it doesn't work super well for everything. So, Mitchell, yes. we have to give each other some EPs. And we have a lot of homework to do on top of that. And we do have a lot of homework. I, I really need to start working on that. Um, I've, I've re-listened to some of the stuff. I need to just sit down and make, like, a proto list. Um, like, just go through each episode and <laughs> listen to what I, I gave each one, or just if I remember, set it up. But, yeah, um, so I'll start. I, I, I'm running into a little bit of an issue. Because it's what what, I basically know what Mitch is going to give me, but I and previously I told Mitch what I was probably going to give him, which is irony of a dead scene or irony is a dead scene by um, Dillinger Escape Plan. Now, the reason I'm hesitant on doing that, it's a four song EP. I think it only runs about 11 minutes, but it's. It's another album with Mike Patton on it. It was shortly after Dillinger released their original singer. I think Mike Patton actually found Dillinger and just really liked it. Like, I think he saw them live or whatever and really liked them. So he he discussed working with them. And by the time uh, they started doing Irony is a Dead Scene, Greg uh, Pusciato, or P- I think it's Pucciato. I don't. Greg uh, had joined the <laughs> band and they were already touring. So, but they still released this with Mike Patton. And um, the first time I heard it, because I, I was curious, I liked Faith. At this point, I liked Faith No More. And I listened to a little bit of Phantomas and some of Mike Patton's like weird stuff, but not like Mr. Bungle. He has a couple of other oddities. I was like, oh, they he did one with Dillinger. Let me check that out. And I did not get it i was like oh yeah this sounds a lot like calculating infinity and even with mike Patton, i don't i don't know what's going on in this after listening to all of mr bungle i then went and (laughs) re i also listened to one of dillinger's albums uh one of us is a killer one of us is the killer which is very good he might get that at some point um i listened to irony is a dead scene i was like okay i get it you know it's it's interesting it's catchy in some areas it's very chaotic though but because i gave him the hardest mr bungle album to listen to and because i gave him faith no more recently i think i think mitch is a little mike patented out <laughs> so i was trying to figure out something else to give him so i thought of a couple of metallica other things EP. what's that i said gives me a metallica ep i know they don't exist no they have EPs. Um, they released an EP along with Death Magnetic called Beyond Magnetic. It was four tracks that didn't make the cut. I've only listened to it once or twice. I don't remember much about it except uh, yes. for 
nothing I like more than a band going, here's some leftover material. It's the B-side. It's not good enough. Here you go. <laughs> I mean, bands Give have us money. B-sides for years. Oh, yeah. I just, I'm saying I don't like B-sides usually. Yeah, I mean, it's not like it's the worst thing they've ever released, but it was kind of forgettable. One of the songs was dedicated to Lane Staley of um, Alice in Chains, I believe. And, um, you know, it's it's not bad, but it's not really my my thing. Other EPs they've released are usually like singles with a couple of covers, which were all obviously um, collaborated into Garage Inc. after a while. And I'm certainly not going to ever give you Garage Inc., even though it is a fantastic album. I've also listened to Garage Inc. in its entirety oh, yeah. before. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I, I think a lot of metalheads have. Um, Metallica is one of those bands that their covers usually knock it out of the park. So turn the I, page, my man. Turn it's, the page. That one's fine. I, I I really like Whiskey in the Jar, though. Um, Whiskey in the Jar. Anyway, I'm actually going to give you a choice because I just can't decide. Please, please stop. Please, no. I make bad I mean, choices. <laughs> No, I and this. So here's the thing. I will include uh, Irony is the Dead Scene just in case that the other two don't appeal to you either. But these are just kind of what I thought of. I also thought of Murder Constructs first release. So nobody can ever be Travis Ryan out. It's sitting. I think it sits at a, a 11 or 17 minutes. It's seven tracks, but it, it's death grind. So they're usually shorter. And that one is just self-titled, I believe. Let me double check on that murder construct. Please, please submit. Yes, it's their self-titled EP. It was released in 2010, two years before results. I'm going to give you those two as an option, but I was also going to give you Alice in Chains' Jar of Flies. Jar of Flies is a little bit longer, but it is uh, classified as an EP, so I will give it that option. How much longer is it? It's 30 minutes. Oh, okay, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, it's uh, seven songs, I think, and 30 minutes long. I think, how much experience do you have with uh, Alice in Chains? None, actually. Really? Like you I never mean, heard I'm Man sure, in the Box? I, I'm sure I've heard some stuff on the radio because they were pretty popular, but I've never actively like sought them out or listened to them. Okay. Yeah. Um, Jar of Flies is their best selling release. It's their second acoustic EP, so it's not very grungy at all. It's a, a sequel to like Sap which is also very good. I really like Alice in Chains. I think they're fantastic. They're one of my favorite like rock bands. Dirt is a fantastic album. Uh, the Devil Put Dinosaurs Here uh, is a fantastic album. So I was going to give you like the choice of Dillinger Murder Construct, which would be officially be the first double dip, if you want to count it, since it's an EP. Technically, I said you should have listened to it on the Murder Construct episode because it was only an additional 10 minutes of material, but you didn't, but that's fine. Or um, <laughs> Alice in Chains's, Alice in Chains's uh, Jar of Flies. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I know what you're going to choose, but those are, those are your options. I can probably find something else if I looked real quick, but those are what I kind of settled on. Yeah, I actually do not know. I really don't. Murder Construct would be interesting. I mean, 
I am always curious about Dillinger, but Jesus Christ, I don't know how much more chaos I can deal with. And this is still early on. So it is like their later albums, even actually, even with their first album with Greg, they added a bit more. I hate saying musicality, but their first album with Greg has like the song Unretrified which is one of my favorite songs by them. It was on a uh, SmackDown versus Instead Raw of musicality, do you just mean like melody? Sure. Yeah, yeah, melody. Um, I think it's because Greg can actually sing. I don't know if the first guy could. I, but then again, I've never listened to all of Calculating Infinity, so who knows. Um, but this was still early on, so it's... Um, it still has some chaos. There is some melody in there. Also, one of the songs is a cover of... Uh, Oh, I've heard the I've I've heard of the band. God. Aphex Twin. Yeah, ah. Aphex Twin. I've heard of Aphex Twin. I've never listened to them though. Um I've been sitting for too long. Yeah, but yeah, same. so My ass hurts. <laughs> Yes. So uh it's it's uh, you know what? I'll I'm going to give you a, a break of the chaos, you know. It, it, I like all three of these. It, it took, but it took me a while to like Ironies a Dead Scene, and I much prefer Results to Murder Construct uh, in terms of albums because it has a bit more of a cleaner production. So uh, you know, I'm gonna just give you Jar of Flies. All right. Yes, Allison Chains's Jar of Flies. It is very good. It's a little depressing at times, but it, it's it's. It's such a good album. I love Alice in Chains. Um, and it's a little bit different. I don't think either of us have given each other anything that's like a pure acoustic record. Um, no, I have thought about it several times, but there's a bunch of metal stuff I'd rather you hear first. Mm-hmm. And I mean, theoretically, if if I wanted to, like, when am I ever going to give you irony as a dead scene? <laughs> but whatever. Yeah. I, Maybe, maybe like the one year anniversaries of everything could be an EP and whatever. So yeah, Jar of Flies, Alice in Chains. It's, it's, it's a beautiful album. It's a bit depressing, but it's, it's very, very good. All right. All right. Fair enough. I had a hard time because I don't listen to, I don't listen to EPs. I'm a full album guy and a guy. I literally have like maybe four EPs out of my like 50 gigs of music. Is that how much? Oh, no, I take it back. It's only 44 gigs. I used to have more, but I went through my um, playlist and deleted a bunch. I'm going to give you a choice between two EPs. You can either do a Haken EP, which is only three th- songs, mm-hmm. but it's 30 minutes long. Ugh. And, and okay. the, last, the last song, which is really good, it's called Crystallize, is most of the EP. It is two thirds of the EP. Of, cor- of course it is. Of course. Or the other EP, which I did listen through. I mean, I've listened to uh, Restoration by Haken several times. It's really good. I really like the first song on it. I like the entire thing, but I really enjoy the first song. The other one that you could get is Abigail Williams' Legend. Uh, so is you this the first release? I believe so. Because it's 2000. Yeah, it is. Or at least yeah. on Spotify it is. Yeah. Um, I, I love Haken, but... In the interest of uh, holding off double dipping for maybe one more episode, <laughs> let's. Uh, I I so I have experience with Abigail Williams. I've listened to a little bit of them before, uh, and I do like them. So I'll I'll give Legend a shot. It'll be the it first actually thing my, I've listened to. Yeah, and it's my uh, first experience with them. When my friend Doug showed me Abigail Williams, uh, I heard Watchtower and Conqueror Worm quite a bit. Oh, I already have one of the songs uh, favorited off this album. Oh, yeah. 
Well, EP. Yeah, EP. Uh, like carrion birds. Yeah. If you don't feel comfortable with that, I could also give you a skeleton rich record because even though it's a full record, it's only 30 minutes. Uh, no, I'm fine because I, I don't remember like carrion birds off the top of my head. I think I'm fine with it. I, I know that there was another song of theirs that I've had favorited. That I, Oh, Into the Ashes uh, ah. from In the Shadow of a Thousand Suns. So is this is legend more black metal because a lot of pe- I, I hear black metal fused with metalcore. So in the yes. earlier music. Yes. So they did not get into the more atmospheric stuff until uh, 2012 with Becoming. Everything prior to that's like the symphonic, metal core, death core, black metal stuff that they're known for. Gotcha. Okay. So this will be more in vain along with like In the Shadow of a Thousand Suns, which is one of my favorite records by them. Gotcha, gotcha. And yes, Legend is their very first release. I, I popped it up on uh, Metallum. Gotcha. Did you know that uh, you said Watchtower was yes. one of their? They released it as a single in 2009, which is kind of curious. I wonder if it's Maybe different. they like remastered it or something. Oh, yeah. Watchtower Revisited is what it's called. I was, yeah. cu- I was curious because it has a um, uh, 36%. So wonder why. Uh, it's probably just a remaster and people don't like new things. Ah, so uh, Abigail Williams is something that I would love to do. If we ever did a another double album episode, they're probably the one that I would do. If we ever do that again, it's the one. It's the reason that I really want to do it, because otherwise I would just have to double dip. Right. Or in this case, triple dip. So but I, I knew the name Abigail Williams was familiar. It's from. Yeah. The Crucible. It's from The Crucible. Cool. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So the next episode, uh, first of all, is this episode 22? I think it is. Yeah, twenty. this is episode 22. So episode 23 is going to be our year anniversary episode, Mitchell. Woo. Woo. And um, I mean, that's actually not that bad. With, with the amount of times that we've been late or we took the break in Christmas, we should technically the one year should be 26, I think. So it wasn't we, we didn't miss too many episodes. And no, uh, I, I guess mean, we, that's almost on track to two episodes per month, mm-hmm. which is I mean, the I goal mean, anyways. And I mean, we we did put out a bonus episode. Plus, there's episode zero as well. So I guess we did hit 25. <laughs> did we do multiple <laughs> bonus episodes? I thought we at least had one more. Nope, we do, we've only done one bonus app. That was 7.5 with the really bad uh, Rolling Stones list. We did discuss doing one of the other lists we found in there. I think it was like Stereo Gum or something. There was another no, thing that I thought of like... Wasn't the Sun one a bonus that episode? Was the, no, that was the same. That was during the Rolling Stone. Oh. Like we did that at the same time. All right, well... That shows how much I pay attention. But yeah, so uh, on the 21st or the 23rd episode of the show, our one year anniversary, we are going to be going over an Abigail Williams EP as well as an Alice in Chains EP. And we will also be ranking all of the albums we have been given throughout the past year. I don't think it's quite it, it should be even. We always gave each other a double. No, except, well, so here's the question, though. It won't be even because I gave you a triple Swallow album, but it's yeah. one. So I was about to ask you, are you going to rate each uh, section individually, or are you just going to rate the entire thing together? I'm probably just going to rank the entire thing together. Gotcha. But, 
that might change in the next couple of weeks. But anyway, yeah, so I'm looking forward to uh, our one year anniversary. I'm looking forward to listening to some Abigail Williams. I'm sure you're appreciating a break from chaos and uh, <laughs> a little bit and uh, a little bit. So, yeah, guys, that that's a that is about it. I don't have anything, any band to share at the end right now. Anyway, guys, thank you guys for tuning in to the Distorted Entertainment Podcast. My name is Ethan Carpenter. I'm joined by Mitchell Wade. If you like the show, please consider sharing it with your friends and your family. It will help us continue to grow. If you're in a band and you would like for your music to be shared at the end of the episode, please message us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash distantpod. That's D-I-S-T-E-N-T-P-O-D. Or you can email us in the email in the description. We also have a Twitter. It's a distantpod as well. And uh, I think that's about all of the shilling I have. Sounds about right. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you guys in a couple of weeks with our one year anniversary. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Woo. And that's where I'm going to cut it. Yep.